I went to this music festival and it was super great. Uh, we get there. Um, okay, so one of the days wasn't so great, but it ended up being great. Want to know how, Patrick? Of course I do. So check it. Don't wreck it. Uh, the second day that we were going there, um, we figured we could be a little later since the first band that we wanted to see play wasn't starting till five. Okay. So we're like, oh, get there about one o'clock. It'll take about two hours to get through the bus line and be in by three. But whenever I typed in the address for the parking lot, remember our hotel is an hour away from the parking lot that'll take us to a shuttle that'll take us to the festival. Okay. And we're right. an hour away from that parking lot. Jeez. So we leave about noon, noon 30. I punch in the address for this parking lot. Uh, but I'm a fucking idiot, dude. Because I, I, I press on the first address that pops up on the little maps page. And it takes me to a, an, an address to the address the address is the same amount of like mileage and approximately the same amount of time it would take okay. me to get to the parking lot but it's taking me in the opposite direction oh god and of course because i'm an idiot i don't realize it until i'm there right right well why would you know yeah you know, exactly. And the entire ride there, we're all of us in the car are kind of like, this doesn't look familiar. And I'm just keep on telling them, oh, I'm sure it's just taking me a different way than we went yesterday. Yeah. You know, no, 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 no. It's taking us to the wrong spot because I pressed the wrong thing. So now guess what, Patrick? We're an hour and a half away. <laughs> you tried. So we turn around, obviously, and head back. Mm -hmm. We get to the parking lot an hour and a half later. Now it's rolling on three o'clock. And we're going up to the bus line, and there's a bunch of people walking away from the bus line. And they're all telling us that they've been in waiting in line for the bus for like two to four hours. Jesus. You know, and at that point, my heart fucking sank. It's three o'clock. Literally one of the one of the bands that only bands that I went wanted to see perform there is playing at five and they're telling us that we won't even be on the bus until six. Jeez. You know? But let me hit you with a little bit of Mundo <laughs> luck here. <laughs> Uh-huh, yeah, that sounds This is right. how Mundo's luck tends to happen. Mundo tends to fuck up really badly and then somehow weasel his way through to victory. We're waiting in line no surprise. behind all these people and I see this pickup truck roll up and these people hop in the back of the pickup truck. I'm like, what the fuck is going on over there? So I run over. And I say, hey, how much, wh what are you doing here? And he says that he's taking people straight up to the front gate for 25 bucks a person. Nice. 
my hand could have not been in my wallet any faster. Because there were already people behind me that were asking the same question. I wanted him to have my money. Yeah, yeah. So that way none of these fuckers could swoop in. Yeah, no, right. You know? So boom, 25 bucks each of us. There's only three of us this day. $75 in his hand. I gave him 80. Say, I don't give a fuck about the $5. Keep it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, fuck this. Yeah. And dude, so even though I added on an hour and a half time. I gained us three hours of time. (laughs) And we got in with plenty of time to spare to get a a, a good standing position for Ice Nine Kills. Nice. It was the best. So I'm assuming that was you, Noah, and someone else? Uh, That was me, Noah, and and Justin, Pamela's... uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we uh, nice. We had a little boys' day that day. That's and, nice. Uh, uh, Pamela wasn't feeling. Uh, uh, it was raining, and you know how she had that neck surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, her sister stayed back with her, so she wouldn't have to be alone. Yeah. So, yeah, we had a cool little boys' day. That's the day that I also saw Tenacious D, and Love before. The way you said it. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta tell you, Pat. I gotta tell you, buddy. If you ever get the chance to see Gore live, you really should go. Yeah. They, they put on a really funny show. Like I was not expecting them to be super hilarious, but they were super hilarious. Love it. Yeah, guys, it's here. Oh my god, this is so exciting. If you don't know, you should know. Over there is the Vanilla Bear, Patrick. Oh, so excited to be back. Oh, me too. And over here, if you don't know, you should know, is your chocolate bear Mundo. And we are here to discuss on the Two Bears Media Review. This is a little bit of everything. This is like the real media review. Yeah. You know, this is so fun because we're going to be reviewing a, a concept, really, instead of just a regular thing, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean basically how well each of the different medias did the same idea. Yeah. And that idea is the absolute graphic novel epic. That is the Sandman uh, originally created by Neil Gaiman. Do you know the, the, the creation of Sandman, like how the comic began, became to being. I mean, I, I, I learned a little bit from the annotations Sure. Because I was messing around with those. That's why it took me so long to read them. Um, I didn't read 19 and 20, but that's only because the show didn't get into it. You didn't read Um, 19? No, the show didn't do it yet. I don't want to. I want total surprise when the show comes out. Oof. And if it doesn't, I'll read it. My man, you messed up big. You know how I am. I know how you are, but we'll get into 19. I'm good. I'm good. Why 19 so important later? Okay. Uh, So Neil Gaiman had originally had already worked in 1988 with uh, uh, DC with Vertigo imprint of DC to come out with a, a comic called the Black Orchid. Black Orchid, of course, a classic comic book superhero. 
that he updated for the modern world, gave it the old uh, Dark Knight Returns twist. You know what I mean? Darker, more gritty, more realistic. Uh, and it was a moderate success. And in such, uh, he's also kind of a rising fantasy writer at the time. Um, always a big fan of comic books. Neil Gaiman's a huge Alan Moore fan. Um, and Oh, that, that was everywhere in the notes. Yeah, I'm sure it was. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm so sorry yours didn't show up till late, but, you know, <laughs> you'll still enjoy it. It was better for me because you probably know most of it. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. It's fine. Yeah. And um, it's a lo- being such a big comic book fan, he really wanted to do a revival of The Sandman, a crime buster detective character who uses a gun filled with sleeping powder and wears a 1920s like uh, a World War One maybe gas mask and, uh, and goes around fighting crime. Um, he's a really cool character. If anybody ever gets a chance, please check out Sandman Mystery Theater. Uh, this was a um, comic series that actually came out a few years after Sandman, not linked to Neil Gaiman, but it, it is kind of the revival of the Sandman that Neil Gaiman may have done. Um, very horror-influenced, very murder-procedural uh, kind of comic. Very good stuff. Um, however, they wanted something different. They said that they would love DC, by the way, Vertigo, said that they wanted him to work on the Sandman, but they wanted it with a catch. And that catch was that they wanted a completely new Sandman. New character, same name, the rest is up to you. And That's a lot of pressure as an artist. It's either a lot of pressure or like the most like liber like liberating thing ever. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Could go either way. I don't know. I'd be on the pressure side. (laughs) (laughs) I'd overthink it. It'd be over. Like, I actually can't do this. Yeah, I would need at least like five bullet points. Uh, he wrote and originally sent the scripts to uh, Dave McKean, and I believe Dave McKean um, would actually do the covers of the Sandman. Uh, uh, Sandman covers, by the way, were notable because it was one of the first comic books that would regularly actually not have the main character of the comic book on the cover of the comic. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, this was this was very unusual. I don't know. I find it it would be more intriguing, probably, right? Yeah, because you're seeing it's almost like a um I mean it's like a regular book cover, you know what I mean? Like yeah, my copy of of The Hobbit doesn't have Bilbo on it. Right. You know, but it does have that lake in the bottom of the goblin cave where Gollum is. It doesn't have Gollum on mm-hmm. it either, it just has the lake. And an island, and a li- and and if you look really closely, you can see a tiny little ring on the island. Huh? But that, but kind of cool. Yeah, that's like the way that a lot of book covers, right? The Great Gatsby. Yeah. It's famous because it has the green eyes on the billboard on the front. Yep. Uh, these books, if you're treating it like literature, it shouldn't need the main character to sell it on the cover. And not only that, but being a completely new, made-up character probably wouldn't help it anyways. 
<clears throat> That's fair. Yeah, and and that is the beginning of uh, of of the Sandman. He takes inspiration from a ton of different things. Uh, he knew that he wanted it to be horror based and and mythology based, so he took a lot from Swamp Thing, the Swamp Thing run, uh, and he took a lot. Once again, Alan Moore is a huge, 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 huge inspiration for all of this uh hell is based off of alan moore's depiction of hell uh from his swamp thing run uh including you know beelzebub and uh, azazel uh they're pretty much adaptations from alan moore's previous writings um and then once again i absolutely fucking love these things i love <clears throat> Whenever, uh, especially comics, I feel like you you can do this a lot more with comics than any other medium. But whenever you take a classic character and that that has almost been forgotten about, yeah, you know, and and can bring them back into the the mainstream. Yeah, and I imagine, like, I mean, I obviously know the history, but I imagine there was a lot of crime procedural comics at the time. Oh, yeah. Right? It wasn't just that one. Yeah. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, well, especially in the 70s, whenever the original Sandman came out, that was, like, the big thing back then. Um, but as it would go, these... The Sandman itself would run... Uh, for 76 issues, something like that. Um, okay. Adapted and collected eventually uh, into 12 different books, 75 issues of Sandman. Um, collected into a series of books, uh, Preludes and Nocturnes, A Doll's House, Dream Country, Seasons of Mist, a Game of You, Fables and Reflections, Brief Lives, World's End, The Kindly Ones, and The Wake. Now, of course, ever since its beginning, uh, I mean, it's big enough and it's grand enough and it's interesting enough that it could definitely hold its own as a movie or television series. And since 2000, this Sandman adaptation has kind of been in flux. Uh, given after the immediate success of George, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and his strange rise of fame in the early 2010s, he was actually uh, put to pen as Morpheus in a film adaptation that he would also produce. However, that would end up falling through and kind of end up transforming into the uh, Sandman Audible series. Uh, but the success of the Audible series and then the reinterest of the Sandman books, uh, especially because of the special edition, annotated editions that came out, proved that there was still interest in it and Netflix would swoop in and pick it up. Uh, now, the both the audiobook and uh, the first season of the, of the TV show on Netflix, Sandman's, adapts Preludes and Nocturnes and The Doll's House, the first two volumes. 
of the Sandman graphic novel series, the, the TV show then goes a little bit further into Dream Country, uh, which is where we see the story of Cats and Calliope. Um, yep, yep, yep. Yep, yep. That yep. was interesting. It was interesting. See, the fun part about uh, I, Dream Country and then I think Fables and Reflections. Yeah, Dream Country and Fables and Reflections. Uh, these two books were actually like not uh i don't know how to how to put this so neil gaiman would would send out these he'd do preludes and nocturnes right one through eight of the sandman but then there'd be a considerable gap between preludes and nocturnes and the doll's house maybe two months and in those two months he would do two side sandman stories gotcha okay and then he would do the doll's house. And then once the doll's house was done, maybe he'd do another two months off, but he'd still release two standalone Sandman stories. Right. And then gotcha. those four standalone Sandman stories later on would be collected together as, as one graphic novel uh, called dream country. So, so both dream country and F fables and reflections they're not conceived as full story arcs as Preludes and Nocturnes in the Doll's Houses. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, they're, they're, they're standalone issues that were put together for, for a collector's purpose. Yeah. Um, and as such, th that's what we're doing today. Jesus Christ, it took long enough, right? Uh we are reviewing the Sandman uh, books one through two and a half. <laughs> so essentially what you're getting Cubs here is you're getting a book club. This is your book club. Enjoy it. Okay. We're not reading another one. We were busy. You're getting TV slash movie review and you're getting the audio book, which is a combo of both. And we'll talk about it. Really oh. excited. Hell yeah. Uh, I loved it though. It was a good experience doing all this. This is, we talked about it off, you know, off recording, but like when we first started doing all this and we did the Watchman, Watchman one or Watchman, um, like, wow, that was, it took a while and it took a lot of time out of our days, especially you, you're rewatching it again. Yeah. So it's not like you're getting anything new out of it. Uh, I mean, the show's new at least this time around, so you had to, you got that fun experience of something new this time, which is great. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, well, this is your first Sandman experience. You want to give us like what your immediate thoughts are, and then we'll get into this a little bit better. I I don't have any overarching thought for all of them at the same time. I wish I did. I uh, I sat down. I told you I dug deep into what I thought of each of the different mediums that we checked out and uh they're all different. Um I'm not, I'm not really all... sure how to put it to words. 
I'm sorry. That was a good question. I just can't think of an overarching thought except Morpheus is a cool character. <laughs> Morpheus. Like, <laughs> that's it. Like that's my overarching thought. He's a cool character, no matter which way they wrote him. He's so like the most depressing dude on the planet. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, wow. Where do we? Where do we? I even think we started the show. Begin with this. Uh, yeah, you started out the point by watching the TV show, right? Yeah. What was? Tell me. Talk to me through that. What was? Uh, what was some things about the TV show that like caught your eye? Um. So, as far as some of the things they did now, obviously I had not seen the comics yet, but I instantly recognized because any more these days, you can tell, and I know this is a Pat thing and we brought it up the last time we were even on a podcast, but the gender swapping stuff, I loved it. They nailed it because it wasn't about that. They wrote it in a way that it doesn't matter who played the character. I, I think that's one of the biggest strengths of the adaptation here. It was so good. Yeah. It didn't matter. The character was just written well. Yes. You could have put an orange cone there and had it have a voice and I would have been good. Like, yes. Uh, so that part of it, very impressed. And obviously I never read the comics, but I just knew that there's no way that this particular character was this or that. Yeah. And it didn't matter. Uh, Yeah, Gwendolyn Christine as Lucifer. Oh, my God, dude. So good. Such a good shock. Honestly, you know, that was was cool to me, but what was a real surprise to me is that they went with Joanna Constantine instead of John Constantine. So I texted you immediately when that happened. Yes. Because that's one of my girls. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime she's in something. I don't know her real name, and it will never matter. (laughs) She was Claire in Doctor Who, and that's how I know her. (laughs) And I was so happy to see her in this. I thought the two of them had a great chemistry together. Yeah. Um, And it worked out better after I read the comics that she was in both, because it gives a little, like, non-reality to her character yeah um which i enjoyed i liked that yeah and then it's super cool uh afterwards in the uh hob storyline that the same actress comes back to play her own great grandmother right and i really liked that like for me i almost thought like oh well maybe she lasted all these years yeah, she's, like how did I mean, she old Hetty has, you know, old yeah. fucking Hetty. But it was a cool thing, you know, like she could maybe be like a Morpheus and that could be a twist in the show some point. Right, right. You know, like, oh, maybe they switched that up and okay. And you so like, that's one of the things that, that with the Sandman, at least, you have the ability to switch things up like that because... It is a perception of dreams, right? Like the Sandman, how many times is it said your perception of him depends on who you are and what you believe anyways? Mm-hmm. You know? 
see what else do i have we'll we'll deep dive into this but enough said when i say the diner episode that's it it's all you need to know oh let's not let's get into it you want to get into it now okay first of all first of all before we do that because we're jumping plot i don't want to jump plot if we don't have to oh we can do whatever we want dude it's our podcast (laughs) we can do whatever we want um, because I feel like, I feel like the diner episode is, is excellent, but I feel like it is all the more excellent when paired up with the episode before it, which is what happens is of course, Morpheus gets locked up. Uh, whenever he gets out, he needs to find all of his, uh, pieces of clothing that give him power. I mean, you know, you don't, you don't start feeling yourself after a nice shower, nice yeah. clean clothing is put on you. Um, <laughs> and he has to travel to hell to obtain his hell, to, to obtain his help um, from a demon called Karanzin. Uh, while in hell, he gets into, in the TV show, he gets into a battle of wits if you will uh, yeah let, let's hold on before you continue i was really thrown off by this scene it's the oldest game i i guess i just it didn't feel like it fit what the show was doing up to that point and it took me a minute to get adjusted to it See, all this, I'm saying. Is, this is like just, <laughs> what you just said is exactly the, the the kind of conversations I want um, when discussing the TV show with, with somebody who hadn't read the comic yet. Now, what I'm talking about is the weirdness of the Sandman. Yeah. Right? What I'm talking about is how weird it is. Because as a... I mean, I've started reading the Sandman when I was in college. I had all of the books by the... You know, by 2014... I've had these books for a while now. I've read them a few times. So this like battle of wits is like, not only is it normal to me, but I'm anticipating it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but to a new viewer, to a person who had, who doesn't have that info, what the fuck were you thinking of during this? Um, I actually really did not like that scene. Okay. Go on. Um, I, I, the aspect I did like of it is that somehow an underling was able to select Satan as his representative. That was an interesting thing to me. That seemed to be the that plot the whole time. Everybody was fair game. Huh? That seemed to be the plan the whole time. Yeah, yeah. But that was just an interesting thing to me that they allowed that. I was like, okay, this is getting somewhere. This is going to be cool. Yeah. Now, granted, I didn't expect... Now, the comic, big, like, the comic huh? of course, he does not choose Satan as his representative. He battles no. Morpheus himself. One of the one of the changes that I super loved from the comic yeah. to the screen. I really like that. Um, and there are stuff that stuff they did in the show that did that, but I think for me, if he's gonna be fighting Satan, uh, you know, Lucy, Lucy, you know, Lucy and whatever. Um, whatever they want to call him, it doesn't matter. It's the dream world. They do whatever they want. It's Lucifer. Um, it's the morning Lucifer. star. Lucifer. <clears throat> yeah, the morning star. I don't know. There's like 8,000 names for every character. Uh, <laughs> like every character. By yeah. the way, Patrick, if you didn't realize it yet, 
every single character in the Sandman has a name as long as Daenerys Targaryen's in Game yeah. of Thrones. First That's of her name, like. King Queen of the Andals in the Second <laughs> Men, the Breaker of Chains, Mother of Dragons, you know, yeah. fucking gets up McGee, fucking Daenerys Targaryen. Every character. It's gonna be Constantine's name eventually. Tits McGee. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Constantine, you remember, sorry, Constantine. sorry for keep on interrupting you while you're trying no, to you're good. you remember that old adult swim show assy mcgee no dude it was literally literally <laughs> literally an ass with legs that had like a gun holster on it that had like a top hat that would go around solving crimes as a detective why? Why? It was you know a real show. You know I'm down for. You know I'm down for anything. That should have been one of those where the writers' room was like, "No, guys, we no, we can't do this. This is too much." Dude, No, I. But to bring it back, honestly, I think I was a little underwhelmed. Like I didn't expect. <laughs> I didn't expect, like, you know action scene crazy action scene getting all up in it right um, Seems, it sounds like you were though because no because because i mean whenever they say that he has to whenever he insinuates that he has to go to to hell and he doesn't i don't think he necessarily deliberately says do battle but like that's definitely the aura that they're intentionally giving mm-hmm. off that he has to go down there and fight somebody. Yeah. And I, I think it's an interesting choice that they, you know, obviously they followed what they did in the comic. I get that. Uh, but at that point, I didn't feel that the whole, the, the way that dreams were described as being useful weren't, was not fully set yet. So when he said hope, I was very confused. Yeah. If that makes sense. Does that explanation make sense? Well, that's why I wanted to talk about this yeah. in conjunction okay. with the diner scene. I yeah, feel yeah, like yeah. what you're saying absolutely does make sense, but with the continuation of going into the diner, you understand now why that makes sense. Because yeah. what happens in the diner the very next episode is it actively shows you what happens when you take hope away from, from people. So this is, to to your point from when we first started talking, when we jumped on here, this is why I did not watch or, um, or read or listen to episode 19 or comic 19, because I wanted to go in with everything at the same stopping point sure. and have my opinion on that. Uh, but you're right. That episode makes a huge difference. And I think... You can clearly tell certain episodes that Netflix said we have to get this right. I feel like I feel like they did that with all the whole thing. There's one major complaint of mine that I have about the whole series, um, but honestly, Neil Gaiman is executive producing. He's show running. I saw that he wrote at least two episodes of the series, including the Diner episode. I believe he wrote. Um, Lines up. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, I don't want to say that it's a better way of, of putting this, 
uh, than what you said, because I don't want to denigrate your opinion. But I believe that a much more apt way of putting it is that I believe that they wanted this diner scene to be a statement episode. Yeah. You know, they're like, people are four episodes in. We might not have them by now. They might not be down with all of this magic mythology, uh, you know, outer worldly fucking constructs instead of people. Um, but then you get the fucking diner, diner episode. And it, it, it really hits home. You're you not kidding. Watch it and you start to like, while you're watching them, you're kind of like thinking to yourself like, damn, what fucked up things would come out of my mouth? If I was in this diner right now, yep. who would stop me from saying terrible things and doing horrible things? You know, and oh yeah, <laughs> you know, you and I both have them. Oh my god, dude! <laughs> and then whenever you you match this with so many. I mean, honestly, dude, like these performances in this show is incredible. Our the waitress is so good. The waitress, I love the um oh yeah, the waitress. I love the uh the husband. I thought that he was phenomenal in this episode. Yep. Um uh, well, and- hers hers her thing was I think the most important to me that made me start to really like where this episode was going when it the i think it's the is it the narrator that talks over her saying she never finishes a story mm-hmm. past the happy ending because she yep. knows if she keeps going um, she knows stop her stories yeah um and i was like okay so this episode ain't doing that this is gonna get real good <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna get real bad <laughs> yeah they did great like overall just all of it of like giving you the hints of like keeps stay on the screen things are gonna go down <laughs> well and then mixed in with this super creepy creepy performance from david thewlis that uh, yeah the man with the gem that's sitting in the back like controlling everything i love him so much he is such <laughs> a great actor he was yeah. so terrific in season three of fargo yeah i don't know i have no and idea wouldn't would you i wouldn't but he they did a great job of showing his character though in the previous episode right in the car yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so you kind of got that vibe that he was out there to make chaos he wasn't there to become the dream the next dream lord he was there to create chaos and make people fit what he wanted yeah and of course in the in the comic this is uh dr d dr destiny uh, a Batman villain and that mm-hmm. penitentiary that he breaks out of is Arkham Asylum. Yep. Which you they know? probably didn't have rights to use, so they couldn't say that, but <laughs> I wanted them to so bad. Yeah. That would have confused so many people. Dude, immediately <laughs> they would have been asking, where's Henry Cavill? You know what I mean? Yeah. Immediately they would have been like, Aquaman yeah. wouldn't let this happen. <laughs> It's like, uh, kind of what? <laughs> kind of what? Um, 
What did you think of his, of, of uh, I'm just going to call him Dr. D because that's what I know him as. Uh, what do you think of the, the car ride of Dr. D from the book compared to the TV show? <laughs> Comic book was way better. Do tell. Uh, I think that the way the comic book <clears throat> accentuates the dialogue of her, the female driver, and um, yeah, the way they, that they, they, they like they... completely switch up this this driver from the book. In the in the book, she, she like she picks him up, I believe, but then like the first thing she says to him is like, "Oh, by the way, my husband is a fucking." huge monster that will absolutely rip your head off you know yeah yeah and by Uh, the end of it they become kind of friends and she's like oh no i just said that to mess with you and that's that's what i think i liked about her is she kind of fit more of what i would expect a reaction to be to that right up front because he never does anything immediately to cause the tension except for the fact that you're a woman and you picked up a random guy right but don't pick him up then. If you if you're like that, don't pick him up. She clearly wasn't. She was just like, oh, whatever. I'll get to where you got to go. Is she coerced in the comic? I forget. I don't remember her being very coerced. If she was, it was maybe yeah, a trickery I thing. I, I think I feel like I would but, remember if she was like forced into this position. But I believe that no, she but, does pick him up on his on her own volition. I'm pretty sure it was kind of in that vein because yeah. she didn't seem afraid. No, 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 no. Like they do in the show, and that changes the way you view that episode, right? I super enjoyed. Um, the only thing I wish is that that she would still like lie to him about who her husband is, because I feel like that's yeah. a very real, very human thing. Um, yeah. Well, doesn't she say her husband's a cop or something? Uh, maybe. All she or is that the comic? That doesn't listen to her. Okay, all right. It was the big thing that I remember, and that she feels like she has to lie to people because she's afraid of hurting them or getting hurt herself. Right, um, right. A a stance that I super loved and I super feel like what a real thing to admit. What a real thing for a character to say. You know what I mean? Yeah. Damn, like I'm afraid of hurting people too, and I and I'm afraid to get hurt. I, that's definitely been a reason why I lie. However, Dr. D doesn't see, like, the benefits of lying. <laughs> no, he doesn't at all. <laughs> you know? Um, and he okay. goes fucking ham. I, out of all the things that were comic accurate in this TV show, I was most surprised at how accurate this diner scene was. Yeah, they did not stray very far. They changed a tiny bit of dialogue. Yeah, and a few... But that's about it, but it didn't change the meaning of the sentences that they were saying. Yeah, and the end result, like, how they're all, like, bludgeoning themselves all remains the same. Yeah. Including whenever the waitress, you know, gives herself the old Oedipus Rex and Mm. stabs her own eyes out. Mm -hmm. You know, crazy, crazy stuff. I super... Dude, that was one of the best parts in the audiobook. (laughs) <laughs> when that yeah. specific moment happens because she's i think she starts screaming i can see 
Mm. I can see, and I'm like, I'm just sitting there at work, and I'm like, I just want to stop everything and just sit down and plop down and listen to this moment right now, because this is so good. Like, she should be terrified, but no, she's like, oh, everything's good. Yeah, everything <laughs> is stabbing my eyes out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I loved it. It was so good, and like, the voice acting in that moment, I think, was stellar. It was so good. The audible is so amazing of, of this. I want to have a much larger conversation of that because I felt the same way. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. But there's so many reasons for that. (laughs) Yeah, totally, 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 totally. Yeah, Um, so that one. um, So I I understand what you're saying there. I think my biggest complaint between those two jumps of episodes, right, is just the beginning of the show felt very story jumpy. And I didn't feel like Morpheus was really involved with everything going on. I didn't feel the pull of him being involved. And I expected a little more with the character characterization because uh, I think they do a better job of connecting Morpheus to all of these stories in the comics and the audiobook. Mm-hmm. Uh, you feel his presence in those. Where in these, in like the diner episode, I'm like, oh, this is just a separate episode, and then he'll come in and take care of it. See, like, I don't because I think that they do a very strong, like, they do a very good way of, of making each item that Morpheus has to find super important, right, to himself, to the story at large. Like, he keeps on saying it, I will not be at full power until I get all my items. And they put it out there very quickly that the ruby is the most important item. It's the most powerful one. It's the one that he has most of himself into. So whenever David Thewlis gets it and gets into that diner, it's, it's showing you exactly why, why dream is, is in this series. It's showing you exactly what's going on and why dream is here. He isn't, he doesn't need to be a part of that whole story. He doesn't need to be a character on screen for that. Because yeah. we already understand that this gem is him. See, it that's is the... him. It is Dream. So my argument the other way uh-huh. is that Dream is, rep- is, is the items. He's not Dream without them. So the real characters are the items that he's trying to collect. All the stories are based around these items, the rubies. Who, who is him? It's it's, he it's is, different. You're though. right, Patrick. He is the items. That's the whole point. But it's just different though, because I feel like they were for me, like I felt like they were trying to establish this brooding character, and then I was like, oh, okay. But the Ruby's cool. <laughs> I don't know. These are like these are like the kind of things that when you're like reading something, it makes a lot of sense. But whenever right. you're watching it on screen. It, there's like a disconnect there. Like for some reason, and that, those it, are the points I'm trying to bring up as yeah, of like absolutely. never reading it before. Now I have, I, I understand where the yeah. through line would be, but for someone who wouldn't go and seek out those comics, they're and going like I said, to think that. Th- that's the conversation that I want most in this is like, what did you realize from reading the comics that you would have never realized yeah, just yeah. enjoying the TV show? Right. Mm-hmm. I'm like tearing apart something in my head. Well, so what the what the comic book did very well for me was 
in similar spots, right? Um, I don't know. Let me see here. Let me, um, the every hundred years episode, right? I gotta, I can't talk about that until I have, we have the time. <laughs> what? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> time? Patrick, I have to tell you right here, right now. I have no shame in saying this. And the fact that I'm going to say this with complete confidence should tell you exactly how serious I am. Mm-hmm. Men of good, good fortune is top. I don't know, dude, five singular comic issues of all time to me. Yeah, it's good. Men of good fortune is the is is essential. It is essential comic book reading. It isn't just essential Sandman reading. It is essential fucking comic book reading. Men of good fortune is everything that I want a comic book to be. It's mysterious it's impactful, it's interesting, it references a million things in history and in literature, and then it wraps up in such a nice fucking bow. The ending, when Dream comes back and says it's rude to keep a friend waiting, like, are you kidding me? I'll agree with you. It's very, very good. Fucking perfect, dude. It's Mm -hmm. perfect. It is a perfect issue. So I okay, let me just say this one thing about it then. We can do a whole separate episode another time if you want to piggyback it. It's fine. Um, we can talk about it. Let's talk about it. Okay, so I told you I rank every single episode with every comic, with every section of the audiobook separately, which one was best, which one was worst, you know, whatever. Well, can we do this later? That, yeah, we're going to do this later, but I'm just going to give you this one. Oh, okay, yeah. Because it hits the point that I was talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. go on, go on. Um, I had the show and the comic the same. I selected both because they both take things from each other. Well, the show took some things from the comic yeah. versus left some stuff out. You know what I mean? But then, like, this is, like, one of those shows and it worked. that, like... This is one of those shows that you watch the live action and then you reread the comic and it's like, oh, I actually understand more about the comic from their adaptation. Yeah. Right. But for me, right, we, we already brought it up. Constantine comes back, but it's the same one you've already seen. So it brings up questions immediately. No, that's her grandmother. I understand that. Yeah, I do. But it's still it's the same actress. Yeah, absolutely. So as if, if you've never seen the, if you've never read the comics, your mind is taking yourself to other places. Oh, sure. Wow. Right. You're saying, oh my gosh, did she, is she you another endless type time? character? Yeah. Is she kind of like a paranormal type character? Yeah, wow. They also show the church okay, scene in the first okay. episode. I love That's that. Why, that was my point. She could come back. Yeah. They could, they could make her something in the show that she wasn't before. Yeah. <clears throat> and I would love that twist. I, I all of it. Love that perception of it. I didn't even think about that, man. Because once again, I'm so ingrained yep. in the comic that, like, whenever I see yep. the same actress, it, you know, it's obvious to me. Yeah, wow. 
Same as Dream, right? If he's going to keep showing up in different centuries, people are going to recognize him. That's what happens. That's how she finds him. So Hobbs Gadling is a man who hates So good. So good. (laughs) He is my favorite character in anything. He's the best. Next to Matthew, of course. Let's be real. Comic Matthew is where it's at. I don't, you know what? We'll talk about Matthew separately. I know okay. you hate Matthew, but I didn't like him in any of them. Matthew's the best. Okay. <laughs> I didn't like him in any of the versions at all. Matthew's right. <laughs> Matthew's fly or die for you, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But Hobbs says, okay, first of all, if we're going to continue about talking about the TV show, um, first and then comparing it to the comic. yeah yeah let's do it that way yeah I think that that's that's a better way um, we breezed through the first few episodes pretty quick I don't think that that's a problem I think we can k- keep up that pace for the most part yeah um, there's just a few in here that I think need some extra attention oh, but that's yeah, it absolutely absolutely but next up is the sound of her wings which actually adapts um the sound of her wings uh issue eight of sandman and issue 13 men of good fortune this was one of my favorite absolute favorite things that they did for the series Mm -hmm. talk about a pleasant surprise that not only are they going to be adapting these singular issues into full-length episodes but for issues like these that aren't necessarily so uh important to the grander narrative of sandman fuck it why not combine two smaller issues and make it a part of one thematic story? Yeah. You know? And the first part of this, this uh, uh, episode is death and his sister dream. Let me put this off there right now. Dream is my favorite of the endless. Uh, she is so cool. I found oh, death. Yeah. 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 Death in the comics and in the live action, and especially, especially with Cat Dennings as Death. Oh, see, I was mixed on Cat Dennings. Oh, he did not land the voice, it was like nasally, and it just wasn't doing that's, it for me. I didn't feel the wisdom, voice. I didn't feel the wisdom coming from that nasally voice of Cat Dennings. I liked her at the beginning, and then as she like had better lines, I was like, eh, it doesn't hit right. But I could see that fine. because one of my favorite things about uh, Cat Dennings' performance is that it's very siblings. Yeah, you know, it, 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 she does sound whenever she's talking to Morpheus, she does sound like, "Come on, older, come on, little brother, like, are you fucking serious right now?" Yeah, you know, but uh, it's it, not uh, like it is in the show in the comic. Right, yeah. Which is fine. I think it's a good good thing they changed it, but... Yes. Um, yeah. And she's going around and taking people away from this mortal plane and into the next. Such a cool idea to actually show it happening. Yeah, and that was the thing. I mean, you know, I just had two, like Santa friends, Claus. Of mine, two <laughs> friends of mine, both of them named Mike, by the way, Rip, um, pass away. And like, especially after watching it and, and skimming the comic again, man, I really wish that that's how death actually happens to all of us. Just this nice, welcoming, warm, the way that she puts it, that she's like, I realize my, uh, my power, what my purpose is, is to bring them peacefully into the afterlife. Like my, my journey isn't to take, rip them away from life. It's to help them understand that they're no longer part of it. I feel like right. that really came through in the TV show. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and then we kind of flip because we're watching all these things about death. We now flip to the opposite of that of what happens whenever somebody refuses to die. And this is hey, hold on. no, 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 stop, stop. Death. Before you move on from that, okay. I need to talk about how somehow I did not see the twist coming in that episode. With Hobbs? No, in the the first uh, on her like on her wings or whatever. Yeah. That one. When she first says to that guy Freddie, Oh, Franklin, she'd see him soon. Like, I'll see you later. And I totally forgot that line was said. And at the end, she's like, I have one more thing I have to do. I was like, oh shit. That's what she has to do. <laughs> ah! And that happened. Got me. Beat, Got me so good. And that happens beat for beat like it does in the comic. You know, off screen, off screen getting hit by a car and everything. Yep. So good. I loved it. They, they, I love when they're able to plop something in a show and then make you forget it happened. Yeah. Because then that's on you. <laughs> right it's not on the show it's on you and then stupid if he said that (laughs) then we meet Hobbs who's a man in 1300 (laughs) who's convinced he never has to die who's convinced that the (laughs) only reason why people die is because everyone does it he says that's a sod and a cons game I'll have no part of it (laughs) you know Love it. I love it. And so it's great. Dream makes the deal. Every hundred years they'll meet up. And these I Patrick, what do I love in my media more than anything? Time stamps. Time stamps. <laughs> Give me how like many times do I, I have to say it, one Patrick? I laugh yeah. every time I see one now because it's just the smallest thing that you need in your life. And I'm like, I don't understand why it's so important. <laughs> he says every hundred years, just do the math. <laughs> but, it, but no, but that's the thing. Like all you needed was the first timestamp, right? The like yeah, yeah, yeah. 1388 timestamp. Yeah. Now you say every hundred years. That gives me what I need. The right, fact right. that it give the fact that it shows me the year every time is only a plus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I love it. Now, this relationship that develops between Hobbes and Morpheus goes through the centuries and inspires many things. One of them, a young uh, William Shakespeare. And that's why I really wish that you read issue 19. Fuck. Well, after we talk about it. Well, I'm going to bring it up now. <laughs> Don't do so, that. Don't spoil that for me. No, 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 no. It, it, all it does is it has to deal with this right here, this scene with William Shakespeare. Okay. Um, and I'll have you know that the Sandman became very notarized in the early 90s. Because it won a, I think, I think it's called a, let me look it up real quick, a dark fantasy award for best short story. Okay. Now, the reason why this is so important is because uh, they actually, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm seeing if I can't find it real quick. 
No, you're good. No, so I'll, before you before you find it, this was probably besides the actual relationship with them, the other most intriguing part of it, because you don't know enough about Dream to understand why he would just give somebody the ability that Shakespeare eventually gets. Oh, great point. Right? Yeah. You're wondering, like, why would he do that? That seems like such a big meddling in, in the future human affairs. of this. It also lines up with the printing press thing, which is hysterical to me. <laughs> later on, yeah. Yeah, later on. But he's like, yeah, we're, they're not going to need it for much. But, you know, but for now, I'm making some scratch. <laughs> yeah. an ad. It'll go away in 50 years. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I love uh, it. Uh, issue number 19 won the World Fantasy Award for 1991 for Best Short Fiction, right? Jeez. World Fantasy Award, of course, is one of the highest awards that could be given to fantasy fiction writing. Um, this selection was met with such controversy that they actually changed the rules of the category to state that graphic novels were not eligible. That's dumb. <laughs> Maybe you should have written a better short story. And a graphic novel wouldn't have won. Motherfucker. <laughs> How about that, motherfucker, huh? Yeah. How about that? How about you get off Neil Gaiman's dick, huh? How about Neil Gaiman rules so hard that he changes awards when he wins them? <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. No, I'm that, sure this is all novelized out too. He just put it into a comic. Well, that's kind of like the most hilarious part about it. Uh, also, minor spoilers. Uh, there's a part in that comic that briefly adapts a work of William Shakespeare. So it's like they're mad that Neil Gaiman used William Shakespeare. <laughs> to like, Who people still say never existed. Yeah. Not that I, I wouldn't know. I don't know. I wasn't there. But <laughs> I believe the Sandman. I believe that his name was William Shaq's Bog. <laughs> and he changed his name for some reason. Anyways, Patrick, they meet up over a, a few hundred years. Their fourth meeting, I believe, um, has an old familiar face to us, but a new one to Morpheus and Hobbes come in. A Joanna Constantine, the grandmother of the current Joanna Constantine, or in the comic, John Constantine. And I know you listeners out there are saying, why is he saying Constantine? Well, that's because that's how it's pronounced. Uh-huh. I corrected okay. myself in the beginning. <laughs> Not Constantine. Okay? It's Constantine. Fuckers. Um, I was like mad at them for no reason. Yo, you know, yesterday something happened at work. I think I asked somebody a question and they answered and I didn't like the answer. And I was like, you don't yada, yada, yada. And our bartender was like, oh God, here he goes again. <laughs> so like, what's that supposed to mean? Now you know. I know when it's coming. Now even, apparently so does everyone else. <laughs> even even my coworkers now know about the MFO. You know? <laughs> but Constantine comes in and okay, this is like one of those things that came from the comic that I find really funny because I don't think it makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? You mean into the she show? says that 
a wandering Jew and the devil meet up in this tavern every hundred years uh, to discuss world events or whatever. Who fucking knows? Yeah. How would she know this? I know that she said it's rumors and legend. But hold up, but hold up, hold up, hold up. They've only done this like twice before. No, that was like at least the fifth time. I don't. Mm, it's it's at, at this point it's like 1989. So, bro, like, but even so, like no, it's the sixth time. The, it's the sixth the comic, time they've met, dude. In the comic, not in the comic, in the TV show, all she has to go off of is a really bad drawing <laughs> that was found in a dead man's coat. Okay, let me let me explain it to you. Okay. I'm going to explain oh, it to you right now. Explain. It's called the Netflix effect. Netflix happened to it. <laughs> okay? That's it. That was my biggest complaint about the show is there are points in, in there where you're like, oh, yeah, Netflix made this. Okay. No, no. What I'm saying is that that actually makes more sense. Because in the comic, we don't get that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. In the comic, she's like, I think she mentions that there that she got the idea from a note that was found in a dead man's coat. See, I'm okay with the ambiguity. But in the, co- the, but in the TV does. show, we actually see the guy drawing <laughs> Hobbs and Morpheus. I don't. It, it works. It serves the show better for sure. Yeah. Um, I think you need that. Uh, for the show part to make sense because uh, it's either that or show her finding the old man with a coat. You know, she can't just say it. Right. So, uh, but I, I didn't mind the ambiguity that the, the comic gives you because that just makes me assume based on history and stuff that she's just a smart chick and figured it out by talking to people. And she is smart. Yeah, and I'm good with that. that. I don't mind a smart character. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with a smart character. I'm good. I can live with that. So, yeah. No, but I think that was necessary for the show. The next hundred years that they meet after that, um, and these are the type of fucking things that I love. These are the type of, like, little things that I love about storytelling sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's all uh, Morpheus says to Hobbes is uh i she i ran into her again and she did me a quite a notable favor yeah you know and now the question (laughs) pops up in our, our mind well what did she do for him right you know what did she do exactly i know what she did patrick hmm if you were Morpheus and you had to call on a human for one favor, what would that be? Oh, God, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. I had no idea. <laughs> Get rid of my raven. It's really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, whenever he was all captured, whenever he was captured and that guy shot the raven, he was actually like, Oh, I want to thank him so bad, but then I definitely yeah. have to talk to him. <laughs> I want to say thank you so bad. These little fuckers. God damn. Just kept running 
it in the glass. They're so stupid. God, <laughs> what is wrong with them? <laughs> no, I honestly don't you know, dude. Matthew, I, I have no, like, I don't know what I would ask the human for. Fuck another one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It is if anything, point, it would be to study their dreams, but he can do that whenever he wants. So it, it doesn't matter. At this point, that Hobbes does the unthinkable and proclaims that the only reason why morpheus keeps showing up is because he wants a friend oh yeah 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 and in the comic and tv show and audible i love how furious this makes morpheus yes it was good they did a great job with that moment in all of them yeah uh so I, I thought you were talking about Constantine doing a favor for him. Oh yeah, no, that's what I mean. Oh okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's I, I thought. If you could, if you could, perhaps guess what he asked Constantine to do. Oh God, I don't know. Try to kill him. <laughs> hey. Um, are, oh. are you talking about Morpheus? Yeah, what did Morpheus oh, 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 ask Constantine I, I forgot do. that part, and I'm thinking you're talking about Hobbes asking Constantine to do something for him. Oh, no, 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 no. The next time they meet up, Morpheus okay. tells Hobbes right. that, that he got Constantine to do something for him. Right, okay, yeah, no, I have no idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, however, Morpheus is forced to miss their next meeting due to being captured. And then what, Hobbs just chills at that new pub every single day until Morpheus shows up? I don't know. I mean, why not? What else is he doing? He's got nothing but time, <laughs> right? And at this point, I feel like he's, like, leveled out. where He's not super rich, but he's not super poor. Like, he's figured out how to balance his life. Oh, I feel like he's, I feel like he's, like, super rich. He just doesn't, like, he just knows not to flaunt it. Yeah, right. And that's fine. Like, yeah, that's the Hobbes he, way. He, he's figured out, he's figured out the balance of life. Yeah. I fucking yeah. love Hobbes. He's one of my favorite uh, characters in the whole series. He doesn't show up super often, but whenever he shows up, I'm always like, oh, yeah, fucking Hobbes. <laughs> you know, I love that guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. From there, we jump to the house and honestly my biggest complaint of the show was just how they wrote the rose walker saga mine isn't just the rose walker saga this girl is not up for it no and and it was sad because i think they nailed the corinthian i couldn't fucking oh my god you and i are like we literally couldn't be on more of a complete page right now because yeah i've said it before just as much as I love um, Men of Good Fortune, Doll's House is probably in my top 10 volumes of any comic series ever. I fucking love the Doll's House. The comics, it, this is like peak Sandman to me. This going into Seasons of Mists, which is volume three, this is peak Sandman. Like, I love everything in these two volumes. You know, I love I love Brew and Glob. I love Rose Walker. I love the Corinthian. I love the serial convention. You know, I, I love fucking Gilbert. Yep. 
I love it all so much. And you know what the funny thing is? I still have the show as the best because of the way they create imagery for the viewer. Oh, I totally understand what you're saying. It's not the story. It's everything else around it. Yeah. But continue. (laughs) And then you have it. You have it adapted like not i wouldn't say excellently but but really really well right except but but like i feel like i feel like that that it's only brought down because i'm sorry sweetie i i really am i'm really really sorry but keo raw is not up for this game as as rose walker neither was whoever played lida she looked like a robot she was fucking fine i guess like maybe it's no, because, the reason maybe i say that now Rose was such a bad actress in this to me that like lida mm-hmm. didn't even like fucking comprehend how bad she was in it. <laughs> well so for me it got compounded after i read the comics sure because that's not how they wrote the comics they changed no, the characters around yeah and i'm like the mom would have been so much more impactful yeah to the story like you took a, a very impactful aspect out of a story and tried well, to connect it to dreams but 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 here's but here's the other side of it like not only do they do that but they also then i think take away the impactfulness of lida like living in her dreams right that meant something you know like not she already only, was not only do you take out one character from this story but you but to supplant that you put in a character from a whole different storyline and then almost erase that storyline out of existence. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. I don't even like, I don't, I'm not even sure I like the fact that like her husband's like actually a ghost in, in the dream. Like the reason why it happens, yeah, at no. least by my perception of the comic, the reason why that happens is because she's in such close proximity to Rose that once she starts dreaming, she dreams so powerfully that she can't discern dream from reality anymore and thus stays asleep. Yeah. You know, I don't, I'm not a huge fan that it's a choice of hers, that she wants to ignore reality and she wants to be pregnant in dream. Like, I love the fact that she's pregnant for like eight years when she's dreaming. Well, that makes sense. That makes way more sense. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Go on, go on. I, I just went on a little. No, you're good. Um, that, that's a lot. That's honestly most of it. And just none of it jived with the long-term goal of what they were shooting for. Right. They wanted you to feel, I didn't feel the relationship with the grandmother. It felt like she was just gonna be like, Oh, one day I'll get a lot of money. Well, that didn't bother like, me because that's also that's also I feel like very comic accurate. Yeah, so that didn't that's just written bother me. better. Exactly, it's just that like when reading the comic, I didn't have a problem with it, and for some right. reason, watching it in live action, I do. Um, I think that they had a major, major mishap the way they wrote the serial convention. Um. Not having the Funland guy get into his Red Riding Hood mode as much. Um, 
Because I feel like because at that in the comic, Jed's not there. Character in the TV show. What? I really liked what they did with the Funland character in the TV show, so I'm interested to know. Well, so they switched it up because he brings Jed with him into the hotel, right? In the comic? Not in the comic. In the show. In the show, no. In the show, Jed is in the. Corinthian brings him in. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Corinthian. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Like, okay, gotcha. In the it, comic, sorry, in, in the, the story, comic, in the believe, story, Jed is brought in. Yeah, yeah, I believe in the comic. He's in the trunk. He remains in the trunk. Yeah. Right. I liked that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That was yes. cool. Yes. Yes, uh, yes, but, yes, 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 yes. But I thought it made. I guess it could work either way. But I thought it made more sense to have him go after a more difficult target, like Rose. You think she's a more difficult? See, like that's the thing. Because she's older, so she's gonna put up a fight. Because he wants a fight. Well, see, like to me, to me, it was almost like in in the comic, at least, it's like he's an addict. Yeah, right. right. He sees Rose, and he knows that he knows mm-hmm. that Rose isn't as young as he wants him. She's mm-hmm. young enough. Yeah, she's fourteen. Yeah, she's young <laughs> enough, right? Like, yeah, I like. 10-year-olds, but if no 10-year-olds are around, a 14, 16-year-old would do. Mm-hmm. You know, if my heroin dealer isn't around, you know, the garbage shit that I could pick up on the corner of Lincoln and 17th, that's good enough. I think they make a comment in the show about how she looks younger than she actually is. Yes, right? they do do that. and, and So they, they, they set they it up, and they could have really done that. Yeah. They could have taken that line and made it matter. Yeah. And then I like the idea. If, I, I, I'm not. A this, is, this, this is the dumb crap I remember. And I'm like, oh, missed opportunity. No, no. I, I, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> hear what you're saying. Because like one of the things, now that I'm thinking about it, one of the things that like really got me like, what's going on here? Uh, the Corinthian goes, finds Jed's foster family. He's locked in the basement, kills the fuck out of them. Right. Mm-hmm. Jed comes up and he sees that there was a giant fight. Like all the fucking furniture is tipped over, yeah. all the fucking lamps are broken, and then there's this just this weird dude in like pale ass albino in a white suit, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm your new dad, kid. Let's go get your sister." <laughs> you know, like yeah, he's just like, "I was sent to come get you." Yeah, and he's like, I was okay. Like, trustworthy aren't you there jed <laughs> yeah and they at up to that point i thought they wrote jed's character really well because yeah. if he's a superhero he should have been suspicious exactly dude if that's the way that you're putting him off then like, right then he should more than anyone else know that this guy's not on the up and up right yeah it, it just it was odd choices and that that unfortunately messes with the last half of the show and and it's a cool lot. in the comic. It's cool in the comic because if I remember the comic, most of the Jed stuff in reality in the real world is done from his POV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So like you're seeing yeah. everything through his. It's almost eyes. written like a separate comic. Yeah, and, and within the comic, really, really, it really puts you into his mindset and how scared he is, and the fact that like he has to dream about being a superhero, or else he's going to wake up and have rats gnawing on his feet. You know, um, yeah, that's a good point. I, I, I didn't think about that because I've really enjoyed um, the thing about the show that I enjoyed about Jed is I feel like they gave Jed more agency 
in the show. Yeah. You know, I did like that because they do lock him in the closet in, in that trunk uh, for the for the comic book. The TV show, I like, kind of like how crafty he is. I like how sneaky he is. Like, I yeah. like the fact that he like sees a serial convention and just like a kid mm-hmm. would be super interested. Yeah. You know, I would. Yeah, absolutely. Give me them Fruit Loops, man. Well, well, I definitely <laughs> hear what you're saying. Um, I, I definitely don't hate what they did with with Jed. Um, oh no, they they started off really well with him. Yeah, that that was my thing, and then I feel like they just flubbed it right there at the end, and I'm like, ah, no, we had they did it. cut out one of my very favorite singular lines from the this volume of comics is whenever they find the boogeyman and they lure him yeah. in for the trap and he's like, you know, this is Nimrod and he's gonna fucking gut ya. <laughs> and this yeah. is the surgeon and she's gonna cut ya. Yeah, um, missed opportunity. Well, specifically, I, he introduces them in the TV show. Mm-hmm. But then he says, me, I'm the Corinthian. I do stuff with eyes. And then he says, and this is what they cut. Do you know what we're going to do now, Mr. Boogeyman? We're going to take turns. Yeah. That's so cool. (laughs) And especially the Audible, dude. The Audible. It's incredible. I remember listening to it for the first time and like shaking, being like, ooh, like the hyenas when somebody says Mufasa around them in The Lion King. Like, (laughs) so good. Yeah. Such good shit. Such good shit. Yep. Um, Completely cut from the TV show. <laughs> yep. Another thing they cut from the TV show, I believe, because Steve and I cannot remember it ever happening, and I really want to gripe about it. That's right. This was my favorite part. This is where we can gripe with no problems. I know. I know. But this was my favorite comic issue in all of them. Being the comic and the audiobook, obviously. And the show, when he first goes down to hell, right? I'm not stupid. I understand, like, that girl comes out of the jail cell and he looks different. So I'm like, okay, so then he can look like anybody. Got it. It's up to the perception of who's looking at him, not him. Right. Cool. With it. Got it. But then they never talk about who she is. Oh, that's those breadcrumbs, bro. But the comic does it so much cooler. The audiobook tells a tale. It's so good. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, I know what you're saying. But no, they, they, okay, there are times in the show where they like passingly reference it. That he was not the same. That he was hurt years ago and banished her to hell like i remember them saying that in the show they just don't dwell on it i understand and i'm cool with it yeah the show can do whatever they want it's just if did you listen to the whole audiobook huh did you listen to all of the audible up to the point where the show stopped yeah okay okay okay. yeah because you actually Um, because once again, and I hate doing this. Once again, if you were to read the last issue in the fucking volume that you have right now, this uh-huh. has that backstory. 
That's fine. Understand <laughs> that. Yeah. But for our purposes, I wanted it to be a fair judgment of everything. Yeah. And that's what this is. I had a huge problem with that. That These they are, didn't have that like story. You and Noah and me differ in like yeah. storytelling things. To you and Noah, like you guys want to know that shit immediately. I don't need to. Sh- no, I don't need to know it immediately. You can give me it in pieces over time. Yeah, but, but you want to know obvious. that shit. Like me, right. I am. I love it mm-hmm. whenever you mention something for like one scene, and then three seasons later, that becomes important. Yeah. You know, yeah, I hear I you like, there. I like that storytelling. I understand what you're saying. Um, and I don't think that even happens in the comic. I think in the comic, he doesn't even like pass her cell whenever he goes visit. Goes no, he doesn't. Cell. He doesn't at all. They moved it around, and I just didn't. Actually, I now that I think way. about it, that exact shot does happen, mm-hmm. but with a guy. No, but but, right? but not in, with uh, with Morpheus and Nuala. Um, but not until not not for a few issues in the future. So like they even took okay. that scene between them two from a different part in the comics. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think that once again, yeah. What yeah, I think it works both really, ways. It's just one, the, one people like it. I feel different. like one of the main goals of this first season was to give the audience an idea that there is a massive, massive, massive grand story to be told. Yeah. And and in order to do that, you have to be able to trust your audience that they would feel this way. The fact that you feel this way about it tells me that they did a good job. Yeah, sure. Because it, because it tells me that you're interested and you're invested enough that you mm-hmm. want those answers. It'd be much worse, to me at least, if they did that and you as a fresh viewer, as a new reader were like, Oh, that didn't even register. Cause it's that not important. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, I hear what you're saying. And I think that you should feel that way. Yeah. And you could get the answers you seek <laughs> by reading the rest Maybe. of the fucking book you have. <laughs> Why would I over? read that wouldn't be fair that's true that's true. my opinion would my opinions would change in a non-fair way you know i i rated all of it you know i'm playing uh, i know but i have a rating system here it's all prepped <laughs> let okay? me ask you this let me ask you this here's a good question. yeah <laughs> don't you love it whenever i say something i'm like oh here's a good statement like i'm complimenting yeah, yeah, yeah. I know well, your brain's working like Noah today. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, <laughs> what did you think, uh, my love, about the changes of Galt in the in the TV show versus the comic? Remind me. So recall in the in the comic, Jed is trapped uh, in his dreams uh, by. Galt and Glob, mm-hmm. uh, two escaped nightmares. Right, now, right, in, yes. In the TV show, they switch it to just Galt, one escaped nightmare, who is instead of trying to become 
uh, a greater nightmare. Like in the comic, they're trying to establish their own realm of dreaming where they can torture humans. In the TV show, she's yeah. sick of being a nightmare and wants to try being the dream. And as such, like the show. Of, yeah. I think the show did it better. Because there's a lot of other bad characters in the show, and they needed to have some redeeming aspects thrown in. Because overall, that world's a very dark world. There's a lot of power going around, and you can do a lot of bad things with that power. Um, so yeah, no, I do, I do think that was a good pick because in the end, Fiddler Green, right, doesn't really have much to say except for being the personable escape nightmare I love Fiddler's Green. who really isn't a nightmare he's just beautiful landscape no fiddler's <laughs> green isn't a night he is a dream oh okay Golf. escape dream yeah the purple one the one that becomes a butterfly i guess i don't remember yeah i just remember all his, his sole purpose was to protect rose and then become greenery that's beautiful and i'm like all right yeah got yeah. it yeah yeah <laughs> You know, I'm talking about the one that was in uh, Jed's dream. Oh, oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that um, that wants to become a dream, but Morpheus himself is like, "You can't change. You were created a nightmare. You will always be a nightmare." But by the end of it, he's like, eh, "Maybe you don't have to be a nightmare anymore." <laughs> <laughs> that was a cool ass scene in the show. Yeah. When he transforms I, I, I them. thought that, that was like one of the mo- most best and cleverest changes that made from from uh, the book to the show. Uh-oh. I think that that's like literally like it's almost a shame that nothing like that happens in the comics. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let me get into one of my favorite characters in this whole show, and I cannot wait for more of this character in the future. Freaking Desire Man. (laughs) They, I I had not even read the books at that point. Started that part of the story, but I'm like, they nailed him. I don't know what happens in the comic, but they nailed it. Whatever it is. (laughs) Dude, they... Perfect. He's, it's just as beautiful as I want it to be. (laughs) Yeah, it was, and I can't remember where I've seen him, like them, whatever, him, her, them, whatever they want to be known as, because I'm pretty sure they are part of the spectrum, LGBT spectrum in real life. I think so too, yeah. They might have been like a YouTube person at one point. Okay, here we go. I got him. I Um, I got it. Yeah, it. They go by they. Okay. Uh, Mason Alexander Park. Okay. What do we got? What credits? Oh my god, dude. Like, I don't know, dude. Nothing. Before you know it, a 2019 film. Okay. Um, he was in a episode of iCarly. Uh, Could be it. One episode. You think you remember him from... <laughs> Playing Toby Peterson in the episode "Love You," I love you from 2011. Actually, that name sounds very familiar, and that's probably it because I've been listening to Jeanette McCurdy's book right now. 
It's, so all the iCarly stuff's coming back. That might be it. So we have <laughs> 2020s acting for a cause. Yeah. And then we have 2013 Bucket and Skinner's Epic Adventures. <laughs> what that is. This. this is a deep oh. sitcom that I'm aired. pretty sure they may have been on YouTube, though. That aired on Nickelodeon for exactly one year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I think they were on YouTube at one point for something. And he, that, that's where I had initially... He but... wasn't Bucket or Skinner. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, he played Toby again. <laughs> he plays Toby Peterson and I Carly, and two years later plays another character named Toby in <laughs> Bucket and Skinner's Epic Adventures. You Either way, tell me that's not had... the same Toby. It's played by the same actor. I'm saying it right now, people. I Carly and Bucket and Skinner's Epic Adventures Expanded Universe. Let's go. I hope that they let Desire go to where the humans are and he uses the name Toby to go around. <laughs> Connect iCarly to Bucket and Skinner to Sandman. Either way, they nailed it. He's going to, he was in like an episode and a scene and he just made his whole career. It's anyway. done. He was excellent. Loved it. He's going to be a great character. And I like that. Desire is kind of, uh, if you can't tell already, the big bad mm-hmm. of, um, of, of the Sandman. Yeah, and he doesn't seem like, it's interesting because he knows he's not as strong. So he has to work a lot harder behind the scenes to make himself win. Yes. And he almost did for 100 years. Well, I mean, that's how, that's how, like, desire works, right? Like, desire right. itself isn't something that's, like, on the forefront. Like, it's something that creeps in and you don't realize right. you're obsessed with something until it's too late. Yeah, and I think they just, they wrote it in such a great way um, in everything. And once All again, forms like, were good. Once again, like, I feel at least super comic accurate like now anytime yeah. i read the comics i'm gonna be thinking of of mason as mm-hmm. desire like the way that he shapes his they shaped their eyes him and his and like, sister i thought were both great the desire or despair they're both i think they were both better versions of what the comic went to do oh okay <laughs> because well, i i like how she was constantly putting him down again again that's exactly <laughs> what she does bro yeah. yeah i know and i just loved it. It, it i mean it does it in all of them right but like to visually watch her face as she's like super sad and at the same time being like, like he's that, just gonna kill us i love whenever she's like disappointed yeah okay here's a fun thing here let's take a little break from talking about these things we'll get right back into it but patrick yeah can you name me the endless <laughs> No. <laughs> Let's try. I probably can't. Let's try. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. Let's try. Uh, dream, death, destiny, which is renamed at some point, right? No, but you're right. One of them does rename, but we I'll, I'll let you have okay. both if you can guess one. Um, 
You got the three oldest ones right off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Desire, yeah, Desire, and the other one um, that we just talked about. I don't remember. There's one. What's the one that they mentioned that hasn't come back yet? Remember that Desire has a spare has a has a has a twin. Oh Jesus Christ! Because there's they're they're still trying to find him, or he hasn't returned yet. God Very damn good. it! I can't remember. I don't even think I don't think that they mentioned him by name. They don't. The next volume. Um, they but, don't. I remember just seeing it in the annotations. Okay, so let's. Uh, I'm not going to tell you it, but let's let's see if you can. Okay, uh, let's let's pyramid this. <laughs> let's secret. Let's secret word this. Okay. Um, <laughs> synonyms to break down uh to to tear apart um um to destroyer what what destroy destruction destruction got it okay Okay. um another one uh um synonyms uh to be sad uh no close um Synonym for depression, for um, um, you're feeling down, like you're you're feeling super sad. You're filled with oh dread, despair, despair. Sorry, close. I'll give you dread. Okay, okay. and then uh, last one. Um, okay, uh, you're dizzy. You're confused. Uh, you see a bunch of colors. You can't make sense. Uh, you're, you like ramble, um, you can't even like full complete sentences because your mind is in, in such a state of very good delirium. (laughs) Oh, right. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. A delirium, um, is the one that changed. Yes, Delir- yes, yes. Delirium used to be delight. Yep, yep. Uh, but now, Patrick, Patrick, we've done a little bit of a sidetrack. We've jumped around a good bit. Mm-hmm. At, it's time to talk about the other great episode. There's two great episodes this first <laughs> season. We already talked about 24 7. Mm hmm. And now it's time for the collectors. I guess. You guess. I guess. You didn't love the collectors? You you talking about the serial convention? Yes. It was fine. What do you mean it was fine? That was part of the Rose saga happens during that and it ruins it for me. You can't let the Rose storyline make you think yes i can they made it a prime focus of the episodes i guess you're right i guess i can i'll give you it i'll give you it you're right so no it wasn't one of my favorites this was the best episode of the rose saga though can you at least give me yeah no that's for sure at least give me that i so this is the other one that i picked the comic and the show equally as good so yes you you you're correct in that yes Okay. <laughs> because of the things they switched around in both. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
And I want to. I, I want to put you on the line there for a bit. <laughs> I want to give a, a quick shout out to performer of the episode, going straight to Stephen Fry on this one. <laughs> he, yeah, the faces he makes when he's like wandering around and stumbling into the little uh, panels. Of serial killers talking about oh. their work, <laughs> yeah. and always the same way. Like he goes in, and he like thinks they're talking about something, and then they say like they start mentioning violence, and his face like kind of goes gray, and then they just start flat out talking about murdering people, and that's whenever terror really sets in on his face. He yeah. has some all timer great facial expressions in this episode. <laughs> No, he's very, they're very good. Yeah. Um, I think they did a good job with the the boogeyman guy within this. Yeah, sure. go on. Do explain. Uh, the comic, it all happens very fast. Like, they just kind of pinpoint him out and then go. Yeah. This one, he gets some time to, like, be in the crowd and pretend like he's one of them. And I really like that aspect of it. Because then he felt more like he fit, even yeah, though of, by the time they're done, they're like, no, you don't. <laughs> some of the episode is even like shown around his perspective. So, mm-hmm. but, but, but I feel like, um, once again, it's unfair, but did you feel your first time watching it? Did you feel like he didn't belong whenever they were like around him with the camera? Not really. Because as a, uh, as a comic reader, it was glaring to me, like, and it wasn't just glaring to me because I know the comic, but like his body language, the way that he would, he was like always shifting his eyes around. It was just clear that he wasn't as comfortable in this space as the, the rest of them were. Which I think is great acting on his part, but yeah, um, I didn't because, you know, I've watched tons of stuff with serial killers and all of them have different personalities, right? Yeah. So I I, the, I didn't really notice that as much. I still didn't think he was actually a serial killer. But what I like the uh, what do you think of the different uh, adaptations of the serial killers? Um, we have the the Good Doctor um, and Nimrod, who I think are the most important ones in the comic and the TV show. Uh, what do you think of them? Uh, I thought the show did a, except for like you said, a couple changes in dialogue. I think the characters themselves were better in the show because they actually show them at the diner, like talking through. I fucking loved that. So good. What a like, great way of introducing. Because at first you don't know what they're talking. About. I don't know anything about them really, right? Yeah. Now and I do. Like, and that's that's like the that is really the. And she goes and kills that kid in the bathroom. That's right really up front. The, like, the like telltales of great writing is whenever you introduce somebody, a, a group of people, and like the first conversation they have is like pretty normal. You like don't really know why they're part of the show, but then the second conversation happens and you're like, oh shit, they're a bunch of serial killers. Yeah. And I actually yeah. like was enjoying them, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I thought I thought they all had a really good charisma about them. Yeah, and they all worked well together. Uh, it was good. Yeah, I really liked that. 
Uh, I mean, the comic was fine too, but I really liked the way they represented them in the diner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Once again, I only bring that up because it ties back, but like, obviously, we're on a different episode. But you know, once again, like, I love my favorite thing about this adaptation is that I feel like I'm, I'm next time I read the comics, I'm going to get more out of the comics from the TV show. Yeah. You know, because even though it didn't happen in the comics, like in my head canon, they still met up in that time. Like, that just right. makes so much sense and it fits so well into the story. Yeah. You know, um, yep. dude, I haven't even been able to crack open that thing because I've been so fucking into I need to finish this fucking DC New Frontier. By the way, it's incredible. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, they end up inviting the Corinthian as the guest speaker of honor, right? Yeah. At this convention. Now, the best part about the Corinthian is that they actually think he's the Corinthian number two. Yeah. Because the Corinthian has been active since the 1930s or something. He knows what he's doing. (laughs) You know, and I love that. I love that. And then I love the way that he, like, dances around it. There is a moment in the show, though, that does help with making that character better. For me, because go on in the beginning the he almost kills him. Every dude that he comes across. Well, because in the beginning he well one yeah like he has this weird power over dudes. I don't know what it is. They just love him. What is this dude? He's hot. He's a hottie. Oh, uh, he's great. Love him. Love him. Love him. Love him. Uh, but no, it, it was when Dream almost kills him. Okay. So you already know that Dream knows he's a bad guy. Yeah. And I like that addition to like the character conversation because I think it made more sense by the end of this episode what happens. But it's good stuff. Yeah. You alright over there? You good? <laughs> hey, um, I enjoy how how Morpheus puts it super plainly that the Corinthian is supposed to be the reflection of all darkness that's found in humanity. Yeah. You know, and as such, he is kind of the most uh, dangerous nightmare that could have escaped. Yep. And was already, and had already escaped. You know? Yeah, no, for sure. He, um, he just has a he just has a cool story about him throughout the whole thing, and he he has this thing with him too when he's walking around. He's just the coolest dude in the room. Yeah, he's definitely the cock with the walk. Yeah, like that that's just his jam. That's how he rolls. Um, and I, I super appreciated the act. It feels like the actor that took his role on spent the necessary time to make that character what it was. See, that's what I love about actors is like, God, I would just love to hear him talk about what he took inspiration from. That's a weird headspace to be in when you're acting. Well, yeah, like, like, like you had to have based the like him on somebody, right? 
I would think, yeah. Yeah. But maybe it was like one of the serial killers that it talks about in the annotations. Yeah. And he ran with that. Who knows? I don't know how DP of a nerd he is. I loved him. I loved him in this role. I thought that he was like, out of all the characters that I thought were perfectly cast, which is, you know, a solid like 80% of them. Yeah. He was by far and away the Corinthian. It was like, it was literally like they just reached in there with their fingers and picked up the Corinthian from the comic and just like placed him in reality. And I'm, I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. If it works, it works. Just do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I do think the show did less of a, less of a job explaining how the eyes worked. Uh, well, here's the thing about that. And, and, but, I, and, and I, you know, I don't know if they could have, uh, done it in a way that looked good. No, and I think things, that's why they didn't. One of that's things, fine. One of the things I just about like that aspect. Morpheus <laughs> in the comic is that in, in volume three, I think, of Sandman, they give a very specific description of every member of the Endless. And the one for Morpheus' dream is that his eyes are black voids that have twinkling stars shining from behind them. Gotcha. He does not have black voided starry eyes in the TV show. Mm-hmm. And they, I, I saw an interview where they were like, yeah, we just couldn't do it in a way that made it look good on screen. If we could have, then we would have, but. I would have never known the difference. It wouldn't have, exactly. But you you don't know the difference reading it, but if once if you're watching it, You'd be like, what the fuck is going on with his eyes? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I appreciate that this show is taking a, a lesson of if we can't do it good, then we don't do it. Yeah. You know? Yep. And so, yeah, I mean, as, as a comic, you can make eyes do anything. You, can, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I understand that. It was just one of those things that I, I wish it was like, talked about a little more, maybe. <laughs> I'll tell you what I, I wish. Or you said some snarky, like snarky line is. So, so, um... so like, close your eyes real quick. I'm going to paint a picture. Okay. okay. All so right. Close I'm your closing. eyes. Corinthians there. Mm-hmm. The camera is tilted downward from slightly profile from the back of his head. So you kind of get like the shape of the eye in the camera view along with like the cheek you could see his mouth moving while he talks right mm-hmm. and what should have happened is he should have like killed somebody and that camera from this like downward angle should have like gone in at that point while the camera is zooming in very slowly he should have picked up an eyeball and lifted it up to his head and then yeah. as the camera's getting closer to this dead body in front of him, you would start to see like small drops of blood like fall on his cheek, almost like he was crying. Mm-hmm. But we know that he's actually feeding that eyeball to his eye now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that yeah, there was ways. 
that would have been a cool shot. I actually would have liked like a cheeky joke or something. <laughs> Go on. If, like if the one guy was like, "Oh, why don't you ever take your glasses off?" And then he was like, "Oh, I just want to devour you." <laughs> You know, something like that. You're like, oh, sneaky bugger. Because <laughs> then I'd have to eat you up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Something like that. Like, I think I like that would have been I cool. like how you put on your super gay voice. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, he did have it. Dude. He did. In the show, he, they gave him the super when gay he was voice. Like, when he was like, you could wait around if you want. <laughs> I was like, damn, bro. You just met. No wonder why fucking everybody has this idea that gay men are always fucking each other. Right? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Way to push the agenda there. Yeah. <laughs> Woke fucking Sandman. How about it? <laughs> no, I really, like, that could have been funny if they had done something like cheeky like that. Uh, but, after you know, discovering what what's going on in the tv show uh gilbert runs off to morpheus he heads home uh, and wants to return with big daddy dearest the big d himself (laughs) dude what if morpheus started referring to himself as the big d (laughs) so his character at this point is really interesting because he's the show does something the comic doesn't, in my opinion, where the show, like, in that middle area, he got to a point where he was like, no, I'm in charge again, not oh, you guys. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, then because, it, like, slowly fades back yeah, to him balancing out. Point. Let's talk about that for a minute. So there is one of, one of the better uh, scenes in this arc, I think, is <laughs> we meet Mervyn. Right? The fucking my man Merv. My main man Merv. So main man Merv uh, wants to do some work around the castle and he ends up running into Morpheus and he says, ah, sorry, don't want to bother you. I'll find Lucien. Right? And Morpheus, why would you find Lucien? And he's like, ah, because you know, they're kind of the boss. I know you're the boss, but like, I want to clear it with them because they're they're like, really the boss? (laughs) And this right. super pisses off Morpheus. He mm-hmm. thinks he's being disrespected in his own kingdom as the creator and lord of it. Um, and Lucy puts it very plainly. I, I really, I. She was excellent. Out of all, I know we've been going on about Gwendolyn Christie. Mm-hmm. I know we have. Yeah. But Lucien in this show is like my saving grace. To me, she was wonderful. Wow, what a name. Vivienne Achepong. Um, I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm sorry if it isn't, Miss Achepong. <laughs> no, she was um, excellent. But, the, but like, to me, Lucien is as important in the Sandman comics as Morpheus. Like, Lucien mm-hmm. is always there. I she love keeps Lucien. the shit right. And out of all the performances that needed to hit Lucien was one of the most important to me. And I can't believe that not like you double colorblind cast this, Mm -hmm. right. And you, you get this, this woman who really encapsulates all that we need for a great fantasy Butler. Yeah. You know, God, I loved her in this. And 
one of my favorite like uh um one of my favorite uh, what is it like stock characters like characters that some for some reason exist in everything is the like servant who can talk to the master of the house like a normal human being oh yeah like that lee daniels the butler yeah or like um or like steven and Django unchained yeah yeah you know they're the only fucking servant that can actually talk to the master and that's lucien yep. and those scenes with morpheus and lucien having those like heartfelt conversations about change about responsibility they i think really worked for me especially mm-hmm. the last scene of the 10th episode whenever morpheus is like you know, can you go check on the kingdom while I finish up work here? You know, he's also, and you know, he's capable of that, right? Because in the beginning, we haven't even gotten to it, like talking to them about them. But with the Cain and Abel situation in the show, they set it up where, you know, they, he pulls the dragon directly to get his power. Mm-hmm. And then he returns one that he doesn't create. We talked about that yeah, so that he really- can't take it ever again. Yeah. Um, so you know he's capable of being that good person. It's just when you're in a position like that, you can't always afford to do that. Yeah. He there's a line. Once again, once again, there's that those descriptions of the endless. And Morpheus's description plainly states that he takes his job more seriously than any other endless. <clears throat> and that's something I think that comes across very well in the show. Yeah. You know. Well, um, so he, because he does less for his own personal gain. Everyone else seems to do stuff for their own gain. Yeah. Yeah. Except for, well, death. There's not really well, much she can that's do. The, thing. The, the, the three oldest, uh, death, uh, uh, destiny, dream, and uh, death, the three of them are really the only ones that can't be selfish whatsoever because of their responsibilities. Yeah. Right. You know, um, the other ones can pretty much be as selfish as they want. Yeah. Um, But we have the Corinthian here now. And because he's there, because uh, uh, what's his name went back, Gilbert went back home, uh, forfeited, forfeits his own freedom to save Rose Walker. Mm -hmm. Um. I got to be honest, I think this whole, like, I don't think that this whole um, vortex thing makes a hell of a lot of sense in either. You know, I really don't. (laughs) I don't either. It uh, it seemed like my overall thought of all of them combined is this is Neil Gaiman's epic setup of what's coming yeah this is the light version of what could happen if dreams go astray yeah (laughs) you know yeah um and that's fine i get it you have to have something some catalyst in there to drive dream to do something with all the tools he just got back yeah that's cool i'm good yeah Uh, um although that 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 um that imagery that they create in the house when like she meets Chantel and Ken and Barbie and all them. 
Oh my god, I uh, love Ken and Barbie so much. I love them. They were awesome. <laughs> their their introduction, whenever they're just like, I'm Ken, I'm Barbie, it's terrible. We know. <laughs> yeah. And the I mean, you know my two favorite were the creepy sisters oh, or lovers or mother that, and sister and daughter. Not the ones that were obsessed with spiders. <laughs> The largest collection on the whole, like, whatever part of the world they're in. <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay. I knew you'd love them so much. I and love... They were my favorite dream, too, that she walks through. <laughs> Dude, and then um, I'll tell you what, was, what I also loved. Uh, in the comic, at least, whenever, like, Rose goes into meet, like, all of the housemates for the first time, she's like, as far as I'm concerned, Gilbert's a disembodied voice. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Last week I heard him talking to Hal requesting for a 10 foot long pencil because for the next week he was going to do nothing but lay in his bed and draw him the ceiling. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, it's just that. So the, like, the, the story created from that wasn't my favorite, but I really liked the characterization of all the different characters, even the guy that owned the house. Like, I thought he was super fun. You know, honestly, I could have probably gone for maybe one more episode with all of them. I feel yeah, like, I wanted one more. Yeah, I feel that's like good... their time was... Too, and maybe that's a good thing because, as we like to say, you know, you always want to leave them wanting more. But yeah. they were all super fun and very well casted. I thought I, I, think, I thought they filmed his parts in the show better than how he's represented, represented in the comic. How? Yeah. Oh, well, and that was something that Neil, Neil Gaiman said. He was like, he said it. He was like, um, unfortunately, you can't have musical numbers in comics, no matter how much you want to put them there. Yeah. So, so I love the idea that how being like this super fabulous and amazing drag performer, which is obviously the character that Gaiman has in his head. Yeah, I love that he's finally able to put him out there in his glory right on TV. Yeah, and I thought it was great. It was wonderful. And he even almost gets fucked by the Corinthian. Yeah. I wish yeah. I would have gotten fucked by the Corinthian. I know, that would have been great. That would have been like the perfect end to him. <laughs> yep. But it's okay. He gets to live his dream because his dream saved the world. Uh, Orpheus <laughs> comes in, defeats uh Corinthian about the same way, right? Yep. Uh not much different there, but we do get Lyda becoming pregnant. Now, this whole time in these episodes, she has been seeing her dead husband in her dreams. They do she does the nasty with the ghosty. Uh <laughs> She does. So in this setup, it wasn't too long since she lost him, correct? I think it was one year. Yeah, so it's not as long as the comic gives. Right. Yeah, Yeah. because in the comic, she's... (laughs) Yeah. You want to explain to the Cubs what happened in the comics? Well, so in the comics, after he dies, she decides to just live with him in the dream. That's her plan. That's her whole goal. And she goes and gets pregnant. But like you mentioned earlier, she's pregnant for eight years. She never actually gets to have the baby. 
which is nuts. Which leads to a very similar ending in both of these cases. But I just think it's really weird that she doesn't freak out when she wakes up and she's like two thirds of the way being pregnant. Dude, that's the thing about like fat like, what? writing sometimes. Because yeah. like if that happened in my reality, people would be freaking the fuck out. Hey, like what what's Rose gonna why wouldn't Rose say something besides the fact she saw them having sex, which is the weird choice in the dream? Like <laughs> walk into that home. So then like she knew what was going on, but why would why wouldn't the rest of the house be like, huh? That's weird. Hey, did yeah, hey, was Rose in your dream last night? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Now that you say it. <laughs> Not are you about to have a baby and you weren't even pregnant yesterday? <laughs> No, I don't know because I walked into you and your dead husband fucking yeah right <laughs> but I don't know the That's timeline the just didn't add up why couldn't have they given Rose that kind of attitude yeah <laughs> it would have been so much more interesting yeah I don't know that was just a weird character design to me yeah it's cool whatever but she got her there she protected her that was her job yep Yep, yep, she was yep. she felt like a plot device. Uh yeah, that's kind of true. Yeah. Which is fine. You gotta have some. And there's a baby now. Yeah. <laughs> a well, baby it will that be. Morpheus is not at all <laughs> ominous about. Well, so that was my favorite part of that whole little like side story. <laughs> he was like, one day I'll come for that baby, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what the fuck? Yeah. So, you know, that's another one of those things that they throw out there, right? And you're like, oh, that could get interesting. Okay. Yeah. That's like, see the, how that goes. Yeah. That's definitely part of the macro. <laughs> yeah. Whereas stuff with that, that girl in that cave in hell is like more part of the micro story, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. It's more setting up the character. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, let's knock this bad boy out. Let's talk about the ending. Hit me. Uh, so we already talked about Fiddler Green leaves, right? He gets back, he's like, Hey, this shit's going down. You've already defeated the Corinthian. What are we going to do here? Uh, and he gets Rose Walker back because obviously. The vortex has to die in order for dreams to not all fall into a black hole and for the world to all fall into a black hole. And he mentions this has happened before. Another one of those, as you put it, macro conversations, because you're like, wait a minute, how did he save the world from total destruction before? Okay, let's see how this goes. <laughs> so so here's the so here's the thing. Here's here's what it is. Um, that is a story that's told in the Sandman Overture. Okay. Which came out like 20 years after uh, the Sandman series was complete. It was okay. written by Neil Gaiman. It was him coming back to the Sandman universe and he was telling the story of... So in the comics, in the comics, um, they make mention every now and then that Dream was already weakened whenever he was captured by Burgess. Mm -hmm. But we don't know why he was weakened. Right, 
Right. You know, this is a parallel of that and a time before where Dream failed his responsibilities. Right. And as such, a universe was destroyed. Yep. And so that's what that's about. I don't think that that, because it's not part of the actual Sandman run. It's a postscript that works as a uh, prequel, I guess, kind of. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so he's about to take care of business and um, Fiddler Green stops him and is like, let her live. It's going to be okay because keep her here. You can keep a watch on her. I think that's something to the effect of what happens. Because she obviously can't go back to the real world. She can't control what's happening. Uh, and in the show, the grandmother comes. Is it the mom that comes in in the comic? No, they're both the grandmother that comes it, in. Yeah, that's right. They started it. Um, because at that point, she had woken up for 100 years of her, how, yeah, 100 years of slumber. Yeah, the And movie. somehow had a kid, which made the mother, and which is t- so wrong. We didn't even touch on that. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to guess. Were you able to guess that that was desire? Not really. No. Okay. I didn't. Like I didn't put two and two together. Um, and in the TV show, they explicitly mentioned that they have gold eyes. Oh, okay. I didn't pick up on that. But you would, and that, but in the comic, they don't mention any sort of thing at all. He just correctly surmises yeah. desire. Okay. Go yeah. on. Um, yeah. So Unity comes in and is like, "No, I was supposed to be the vortex," and then so I was like, put to sleep for. You, how the fuck do you know that? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Uh, it's still a very cute scene that happens. She literally pulls a. But this is when the whole like desire thing clicked with yeah. the heart. Yes. And every obviously, duh. Uh, but she literally pulls like a crystal heart out of her chest, hands it over to Unity, and Unity becomes the vortex. So the old guard can die, Rose can live. Um, and I don't believe in the show it shows that Rose forgets everything that happened. Like it was one big dream and it didn't actually occur. Because yeah, in the comic, she just starts to live life and goes, it's like falls into a weird depression for a while and then comes yeah. out of it. Um, which I liked that way better. Because I just, I imagine that dream wouldn't let that fester into somebody like that. No, he's not trying to punish people, you know? He's like... No, right. He doesn't, even, sure fucking, he doesn't even punish Funland. He gives no, him the he best doesn't. dream of his life in the comic. Yeah, whole bunch of kiddos around him forever. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> but what if he gets bored with just those 10 kiddos? That won't last long. Oh, no. Maybe you're right. Maybe right? it was the worst dream ever. Maybe, yeah. Maybe wow. you get bored. <laughs> what i thought <laughs> uh, but yeah so in the show that ends it gets solved uh everything goes back to where it was and uh and then i think he goes back and does all the stuff with um oh what's her name galt 
Yeah. And Lucien and apo- basically does role. his apologies. I love that. Yeah. He I does was his like, little apology tour. Rules. This is like so Sandman. This fucking rules. Yeah. I really like that. And, you know, it ends it on a storyline of he actually is a good guy and he just wants to help people and keep the world going because that's his job. Also, it's revealed that for some reason, Desire is constantly working in the background to get Mm. Morpheus in trouble. Oh, yes. This time in specifically, he was trying to get morpheus to kill rose who would be his second cousin once removed i believe okay and that is one of the great sins of the endless is that they cannot spill family Uh, blood yeah it doesn't really make that point very well got it okay now i'm with you all right that makes it that makes it more urgent that's what I'm here for. That's what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then we just kind of cut to the next part of the story with that bonus episode, right? I didn't even know that this was happening. I loved it. It came out two yeah. weeks after the uh, first ten episodes. I want them to do this like all the time. I wish that like every fucking like two months or so, we just get a new random issue of sandman done in, in this style of, of things it'd be so cool that would be cooler and it would get more people to consistently have to turn netflix on and yeah. get memberships right that's right i don't know but that that's that's a separate conversation doesn't matter <laughs> now, these are uh, uh, dream of a thousand cats and calliope yep. uh what do you think of these um, they were fine. Calliope, Calliope is was super interesting for me. Uh, I wasn't a big I, fan of this adaptation of Calliope. Yeah, the comic was better. On my list, I have the comic as the best version of it. Yeah, not a, um, not a huge fan of it. Um, I don't think that I like the, the <laughs> punishment that Maddox gets from sandman more that it's more from calliope's point of view um yeah yeah whatever it's fine uh the cat one was okay i thought they i really... love that one i thought the cat one was great well for me i don't know like where this leads so i'm like okay it's interesting but, but this is we'll what see. No, no patrick this is what i'm talking about like every now and then in the comics they just have these weird side stories that's like, this is what dreams are to these people. This is what dreams yeah. are to this animal. This is what the dreams are to plants, even. Right. You know, they're stories that don't go anywhere. We're never going to get, we're probably never going to get this again. But it's. I have a problem with that, though. I love I that. I know I shouldn't. It's, it's a story they want to tell, and that's the story, but like, then I, I guess Morpheus a cat. Yeah, two cats. I guess I don't know. I mean, you guess it's a it cat. Took me, what I, would it be? No, it just, not a cat. It they just took me. As cats. It took me out of it, and they also didn't they reverse it in the show where the cats happened first, and then Calliope did. Uh, yes. 
Which I didn't like that choice. 18. And they then... should have kept it the other way. Why? Because then the humans lead into the humans. I didn't like that oh, they jump from point. humans to cats to humans. Okay, yeah, good point. All right, yeah, I, I hear you. All right, yeah. And maybe if they did it that way, I'd feel different. Yeah. But it felt I really like, to this, me, uh, they should have connected. I love this uh, animation. Um, yeah, love that. These bit of side stories of the Sandman are some of my favorite parts of the Sandman um, because it's teaching you that there's, once again, not only a wider universe to explore, but specifically that this world is more interesting and mystical than you even realize now. Yeah. You know, and that's just as important as continuing the story to me is, is establishing the ambiance and the atmosphere that we're going to be playing in. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's even episodes of issues of the Sandman that Morpheus doesn't show up in at all. It, it, it'll like focus on um ah, man like sometimes death goes on a fun adventure or like there's another episode where it's a dying ancient egyptian god who's trying to like continue their life as a normal human five thousand years later but is realizing that their time is coming to an end like it's those things are so important to me as like a Sandman fan. Well, especially in this universe, because gods can die, but the Endless can't, right? Exactly, dude. And that's an interesting take on it. Like, there's a set of people that are higher than gods that if something were to happen to them, the world would go. Yeah. It couldn't exist. They all work in tandem. Uh, I like that. And that they all are meant to serve humans, too. Yeah. All right. Allow me... To jump into scores. Yeah, this is going to be crazy. All right, hold on. Um, I have an idea here. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to keep track of your stuff. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But allow me to do this. All right. And I did not. So you know how sometimes we'll do uh, Film Harvest and I'll be like, this movie was a little better than that one, but I can't quite pinpoint it. Yeah. So I'll make sure, like, a spot that one movie was better than the other gets that slightly higher score. But I just can't put my finger on why it was a little bit better. Um, I had that with the comic and the show. But I didn't do that on purpose. And that's what makes this score so interesting to me. Okay. I just scored these to score them, and it turned out exactly how I felt. A thousand percent. Uh, so the show, it, I went with picked. I didn't use that heart seed, whatever score. I didn't like that. So I went with picked. Yeah. I called it one big movie. Yeah. <laughs> I think we can do uh, that from now on. Yeah, yeah. Plot, I had 23. It jumped to episodes around a lot. And because I didn't really quite know what was happening, it really threw me off sometimes. Okay. Uh, Intelligence I had as a 27. I thought for the most part, except for Rose and Lyda, they were very good characters and they built a lot of great side characters that I fell in love with. That's hard to do, especially with that many. Um, Like you said, Ken and Barbie, wonderful. (laughs) They were so good. Uh, 
And like the fact that you don't know that the what, like what those two sisters what, what they even are to each other. Yeah, what their deal is. Yeah, like who are they? What are they to each other? No one knows. Like <laughs> Zelda. Uh, th- and even everyone in the house is like, we don't talk about it. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, yeah. Um, Captivation I had as a seven. And then um, Technicality I had, as a, I had as a 24. So overall I had it as an 81. Uh, technical was just because it's Netflix seems to have a tough time every once in a while with where they shift some stuff around to or stuff they take out and it just felt like it was missing stuff uh, specifically the one I told you about I just wish they had given you more scenes of like that old tale yeah um, I hear you the, yep comic so lendability was an eight no question uh i just thought it suffered from similar things as the show did there was just slog moments for me where i was like i'm just gonna read one tonight i was i wasn't like as into it um oh good lord e e i'm blanking on it escapability 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 uh yeah 17 I had a 17 on that one. Um, there was, for the most part, I thought the characters were strong enough where I wasn't trying to go and do something else instead, um, which is fine. It's good. Uh, so 85, it's a high score for that. 85%. Uh, atmosphere I had as a 14. I thought, I don't That's know how this is. Yeah, and I have a question for you about this, right? Did they have different artists do different issues or different segments of the issues? Yeah. Okay, I felt that a lot. Yeah, I love that. I didn't, not in this one. So, like, one one artist, I think, did issues one through eight, and then another artist did issues nine through 16, and then... 17 and 18 were done by separate artists each yeah yeah, yeah they wrote I felt art. that i felt that though like it it, it, it had a different tone to it but the, based dude, on the that's like the fucking thing here's the deal it didn't work it does first of all Patrick, not for me it not does for me work. it even works thematically because it's dream because it he changes appearance to every person not only does it work in the world that you live in it works thematically in the story that they're building it did not work for me 14 (laughs) 14 damn it i thought i convinced you one no no you didn't no okay you know i'm 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 malleable i could change but that was a 14 Uh, familiarity for the character i was going to tell you earlier in this episode that there's just going to be things in this episode that you're wrong about yeah that's fine i'm good (laughs) Uh, character intelligence for the comic i has a 21 so out of 25 um nice not too far off from what i had over on the other side no 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 Um, although that's actually one of the areas that stays pretty consistent along the way um the characters they're great they're great and all yeah of them. You, that's hard to mess up but you know like it's don't don't do something stupid really and you're fine i think that's the problem is that you want more of them right exactly 
Like I want more Hal. Where's more Hal? I want to like visit Jimmy, him in New York. Ted and Barbie all day long. Like right. Send me, send me on an adventure with Hal, Ken, and Barbie. Like oh my go. god, dude! So much debauchery. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> uh, and then uh, why? Oh God, remind me. I'm blanking again. Right. Infrastructure. Yes, yes. Um, Twenty two. of the group. Twenty two. Um, it is the original format. For the most part, the layout makes sense of where the stories occur. That's the whole point. That's why it's made that way. Well, I think that Sandman so. is much better than a lot of comic books. Does a great job at guiding you through the panels. Yes. Yeah, and I think it did a great job with that um, as well. So yeah, and it's you know it's for the comic that that has different things entailed. So you're right. Uh, all right, let's talk about this one. I don't think that surprises you. That ended up with an 82, which is exactly where my feelings are about both, <laughs> which was so interesting to me that I didn't actually count. And it was hard to do the counting because you're using two different systems, right? Yeah. So I'm not doing it as I'm going like I can with Film Harvest. Um, and last one, though, totally different story. Audiobook crushed it out of the park for me by a lot. Um, we talked we talked about this briefly in a phone conversation, but for some did. reason, it just Sandman just feels right as an audio as an audio drama. Yep. Sandman just it feels right perfect as an audio drama man like. Like if I if I continue it, I will be doing the rest in audiobook form. It is well, it's a good time. I think they just announced that season three will be coming out soon. Good. Uh, so I'll run it down real fast and then we'll get right into it. Uh blendability is a 10. It's engaging throughout the entire story. Um, in my ratings of which like of the three was better. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight out of the eighteen went to the audiobook. I want you to go through those as well, then. <laughs> okay, I'll do that. I'll do that after this. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, Andy Circus is Matthew the Raven, dude. What? Andy Circus is Matthew, bro. Like, Golem is Matthew. They're all good. They're all good. I told you my biggest complaint was the tiny, tiny parts where I needed Kat Dennings to be a little bit more wisdomy. Taryn and I didn't get that. Was John Constantine? I I know, I know, I love him. It's all good. It's all amazing. I had no Jeffrey complaints. Right is destiny, dude. They're so good. Uh, escapability is nineteen. David uh, Tennant is Loki. <laughs> Dude, they nailed it. Okay, let's just put it out there. Uh, atmosphere, full 20. I can't even explain to you. 19 was escapability. Um, I couldn't give it a perfect because I knew I wanted atmosphere to have a perfect. So I, gave, I put it there. Um, but I cannot tell you how many times I was doing something else while I was listening to it, and I just stopped what I was doing. Because it was so damn good. It's so good, bro. So good. Um, familiarity was a 23. Similar in my scoring for characters, but 
the voicing was so well done and so performed well that I felt even stronger about the characters. Hell yeah, dude. Um, Barbie and Ken in the audiobook are so funny. <laughs> Oh my god! I want you to, to to act too so bad now, dude. I will. I will. I would. I would do act two of the audiobook so before good. the show comes it's out. So good. Um, oh my god! It's so good. And then the last one I have is um, a full twenty-five as well. Um, for infrastructure, I gave them full two two full Montes on these categories because. They moved things around in the comic dialogue-wise or explanation-wise that did exactly what I like. It gave me just enough of a character as a lead-in multiple times. And I really liked how they did that. If the story called for a door opening, there was a door sound. If Hal was doing something, there was music going on in the background. It was constantly getting you. Hell Beautiful yeah. work. So well done. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt was a gem. <laughs> it was <laughs> just, just wonderful. It was just wonderful. I loved it. Um, but I can jump into the other ones if you'd like. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I kind of went over a couple with you already. Uh, the ritual, I went with the comic because... As an intro, I need that filler, and the book is where you're going to get the filler. Yeah. And you can really, like, spend time and look at each panel individually and see what's happening. So let me um, ask you something. When, were you... <laughs> so whenever I was watching, I was, like, really distracted because, I mean, he's a naked dude in a mm-hmm. hourglass in the TV show. But, yeah. like, for some reason, he always had his hand perfectly placed so that way you couldn't see his actual dick in the shot and i was like man that's unnatural what about it it's just just a comment you want to make (laughs) my point is is that like if you're not going to show his dick then don't make him naked yeah why did he didn't have to be yeah well like i don't actually think he's that like he's standing up and he's standing up and his arm is like way in front of his body like the most unnatural position you could imagine just to make sure that his own hand was covering his own dick so that way you didn't see man dick yeah it was fine i got i moved past it that was the part i just was like okay that's it's netflix they have to do this it's fine (laughs) (laughs) i got it you know they want like other people to watch it besides our rated level watchers dude it was already Um, r-rated gore dude I know, but you know. Um, so yeah, comic was for that one. I needed to have that time to like sit with the material and like figure out what was happening to start. Not that it helped later on. <laughs> to right. other routes, but uh, audiobook was Cain and Abel for sure. Uh, the way they voiced those, I think it threw in some facts throughout the audio. Not facts, but like that's one of the ones that they really moved a couple of things around that helped me make more sense of the Cain and Abel relationship to the dreamland. No, uh, so I really that, like um, that. Let me ask you this. 
do you think <laughs> this is not funny how i preface all my questions with that let me ask you this <laughs> um do you think that something's missing from the tv show with uh abel stuttering a whole lot like do you think that that's a detrimental part of the character that was missing from the show yes interesting because i think it it kind of gave you like a self-explanatory reason behind why he's so afraid to walk around and make mistakes all the time. It didn't feel like a stutter because he had a stutter. It felt like a stutter because he was always nervous that he would die. Sure. And I really liked that aspect of the character that they made that way. So um, Netflix was definitely Constantine. Um that whole setup that they did and eventually returned later with the grandmother. Um, Hell was the audiobook. Um, hearing the fight and the way they added descriptors to what was happening around them was amazing. I felt like I was in the room with them as they were having I'm this so fight. I love the audible as much as I did because whenever that came out, there were so many people online that were saying that that it was too much like the comic. It's not. It's, I mean, it needs to be somewhat like it. Yeah. You know, it's the same material, but they added production value. I love it. I love it so much. Uh, uh, him escaping was probably the comic. Dr. D. Uh, Diner was the show. We talked about that one. Mm-hmm. D getting the ruby back was the audiobook. Um, just the, the voice that Dr. D has in the audiobook is so creepy. Uh, yeah, uh, I loved it. Um, Death was the comic. I just we talked about that one too. I just like the representation. Um, Old Tales, the audiobook. Similarly, the Cats one was audiobook for the same reason because they're telling story and yeah. i really liked the audiobook and the way they told the story versus the show kind of like trip feeding you stuff um uh, house was netflix we talked about that one um the nightclub and the corinthian i had as the audiobook um i got more about fiddler's green through the audiobook than i did through any of the other stuff as far as him being more of an exciting, important character. I fucking love Fiddler's Green. He's so fun. Yeah. Um, Search for Jed and uh, Light a Dream was audiobook. I think that's an easy one. Um, Every 100 Years in the Serial Convention, we did talk about those. I have the Netflix show and the comic rated about the same. Uh, different reasons. Uh, Rose traveling through all the, the dreams. I had as the comic. I thought that was one of the few times where they did like a little, the little multiverse thing, but then you saw all of Ken and Dream's Barbies and Zelda and Chantel and Hal, and uh, they did a good job there. Um, yeah, that was 16. A, that was another scene. That was another thing that I was like, oh, I don't know how well that'll come across on, on screen. Like, that seems like it'd be really hard to pull off, but they totally nailed it. Yeah, they did. They did a good job. Uh, and then yeah the 
last major two um, were the Vortex confirmation. Like, I, I titled a Vortex confirmation because Rose basically learned eventually what she would have caused. Yeah. Um, but I had that as the audio book. I thought they did a great job with that one, um, creating the tension with the music in the background, making it feel more urgent than the other ones did. Um, and then Calliope, at Calliope, whatever, add as the comic. But that's also how I expected her to be written versus what the show did with it. So, yeah. Overall, audiobook one out. That's all I'm saying. I would say. <laughs> uh, so I, I do want to listen to the second one. I think it's going to be incredible. I'll finish it. Um, I'll probably finish, end up doing all of it through audiobook at this point because I just enjoyed it so much. Yeah, and they're cranking them out pretty quick. They're cranking them out about yeah. one year, so that's not bad. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and they're and they're good listens to. They're like 13, 15 hours long. Um, yeah, and I've listened to the first one twice now, and I want to go back and listen to it a third time so I can. Now listen to it the second act as well, um, all together. Yeah. But they're doing great with them. I mean, they're really, really excellent. I, I yeah. absolutely love them. Before we get your final thoughts and we wrap this up on the Sandman, uh, tell the listeners how they can hear us, what we need them to do to help us out. Well, they can hear us super easy. They just needed to search us on their favorite podcast provider of choice and the way that they can help us out is by getting, grab your friend's phone, get your friend's phone, go into their podcast and type in our name in their phone and get them to subscribe to us as well. Yeah, that works too. Yeah. That's the best way you can help us. So we're going with stealth now. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. If, okay. Uh, if like you it. can give us a review from somebody else's phone. Love it. That'd be great. Yeah. Just beautiful. Three to five stars. Give us one. I don't give a shit. We just want to know you're listening at this point. (laughs) Uh, Uh, But tell your friends, tell your family. That is the number one way that you can help us. Uh, We will not run ads. Uh, until we see that viewership get up. So enjoy us while they're ad-free. How about that? Yeah. Who knows how long that'll be. Nailed it. Yeah. So what are your final overarching thoughts? Um, My final overarching thoughts is that this show just made me love Sandman more than I already love Sandman. Um, Anyone who's listening or who have heard me and Noah's uh, conversations about comics in general knows that I have I love Sandman and I have loved Sandman for a long time. Um, in though in one of our episodes of favorite singular comic issues uh, with Noah, um, I explicitly stated that Men of Good Fortune is up there. Like it is, uh, it is an excellent story it is it can stand on its own um i'm just it's so great seeing something that i have loved for so long you know i work at a bar and it's so great hearing people at my bar talk about the sandman 
Because mm-hmm. I love the Sandman. And, and, you know, I don't want to gatekeep anything that I'm a fan of. You know what I mean? I want other people to experience the same joy that the Sandman has given me and the same surprises and the same suspense that it's gifted me and that Neil Gaiman so really, really articulately and brilliantly put to page. It is it is a well-deserved classic. It is well-known, well-revered. It deserves every bit of accolade that it could be shelled at it. Um, and there's really, to me, not much that, that can be approved upon. Um, I don't see the book approved upon it, but the Audible, what it can be approved upon, the Audible's doing it. And it's great. Yeah. It do you is. still think that for the second volume, too, if you listen to I that? do. Oh, man, I'm excited. I do. Oh, I'm yeah. looking forward to that. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely stellar. It's every okay. bit as, as engaging, as, as uh, environmentally aware. You know? The All sound that. effects are really are what take that to the next level to me. Yeah. There was always something happening in your left or right ear that was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm listening. I swear I'm paying yeah. attention. Oh, it's raining. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, it's windy yep. in here. I can't hear the wind. All right. Before we sign off here and we finish up, it's been a while. I need, I one, I'm seeing Pearl later. It's happening. 2.15. Cannot wait. So excited. Ah, freaking out. Um, but the other thing we need to talk about is my new obsession with The Last of Us. Oh, God. Dude, have you, you've played that, I'm correct? Yeah. Um, I can't believe how good that story is. Yeah, it's good. I loved it. I have watched like everything I possibly can on it. I'm currently in the middle of like the PlayStation. Like how? No, 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 no. Okay, no, you're missing out. Okay. What? Because what you need to be doing. Oh. Okay, maybe not until after you play part two. Uh huh. But you need to go on to OSW Review and watch their Last of Us retrospective. Remind me after the fact. I'm taking. I booted up Last of Us Part 2, and I'm like, you know what? I'm not ready for this yet. I hear you. Not yet. I need, like, a little bit longer between the two of them to, like, settle back in and just feel like I'm in a good spot. Because it was very tense, even on easy mode. Are you excited for the HBO show? Dude, I can't wait. I was already excited because Pedro Pascal is in it, but I'm like, as long as they just make the show... Anywhere near what this story of the game was, we're fine. You can't fuck that up. Oh, yes, they can. But you know my point. If they just take the stuff and tweak it a tiny bit, we're good. If they go and make major changes, you've ruined the entire thread. I agree. It's all very tightly written. I'm interested to see how far they go. Like, Are they going to do the whole first game in the first season or like? I think they could, but it would be a lot. It'd be a lot, though. Because, really, you can break it down into, like, 10 different sections of the game, probably. It's only a 15-hour game. Yeah. I don't know. I'm interested to see what they do. It doesn't matter. Pedro Pascal is in it, and he is going to rock it as Joel. Uh, Yeah, because he's the greatest actor in the world. (sighs) 
I can't wait. I isn't it so crazy how much like credit Pedro Pascal has gotten in the past few years? Yep. Oh, because he was so stellar in that one Game of Thrones season. Hey. Dude, it's just like Jason Moma, though. I was just thinking about that the other day. I was like, how what how crazy is it that Jason Moma went from like being like a a, a pretty much unknown person? <laughs> yeah. Like he was yep. he was like an actor before, but like so was Pedro Pascal. But now yeah. they're like in everything. Yep. And before you give me your updates, I do have to apologize. I start. I told you I started Phoenix Immortal Rising. Yes. Um, I had to stop playing it because whatever build is on Netflix is on Game um, Xbox on Game Pass. I've loaded in three different times now, and it keeps telling me it won't save my game, and it decrypts all of my saves and corrupts them. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I'm like, fine. I'm not meant to play this right now. That's I'm done. Up. I know, and I felt bad because I was like, I really want to play it because it, it, the story's sort of interesting. Oh yeah, it's and it's super funny, and it, yeah, and it has funny parts. I'm like, I was kind of enjoying it. I, I could have like stuck through some of the puzzles to do. Yo, it. that game, that game right. began because uh, they were running, I think, tests for an update for Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and something uh, went wrong with the file, and it made all the enemies in the game giants. <laughs> And nice. one of the like head developers was like, huh? <laughs> "We got That's it. We nailed it." <laughs> That's an oh, yeah. idea. Very, very Assassin's Creedy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. That's so. I will apologize. I'll probably not finish that for a while until I like boot it up every once in a while to see if it'll actually hold the game that I was doing because that was a good ten hours in. Dang, bro. So like, I'm not going to replay that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, sure. I'd be pissed. Yeah. yeah. That was sad. I'd be pissed. But yeah. I know you saw Pearl. What else have you done? I went to see the Woman King as well. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, well, that's the thing. I haven't been doing much because I spent the last, you know, week at a festival. Um, yeah. I've been reading this uh, uh, Darwin Cooks. I said it earlier DC New Frontier. Um, that's a fun take on like the 60s to 70s era superheroes. Um, okay. Still Batman and shit, but just like modern eras in a not so modern time. Um, I've just been trying to get through Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Um, I don't think it's great. <laughs> but Most people are not a fan. Yeah. Yeah. It's like they took like they took what the funnest part of Odyssey was and made it like one of the least involved parts of the game and then took what the least fun part of Odyssey was and made that most of the game. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, so now I'm trying to play it like kind of a different way and it's been a lot more fun that way. Um, Before I was just like going into the raids, but now I'm like going in, I'm stealing a bunch of shit and then i'm gonna come out and do the raids makes it a little yeah, bit yeah. fun because like it's sense. assassin's creed the fun of assassin's creed is like sneaking around and doing shit yeah that's the kind of stuff i like too yeah you know like yeah. 
I fucking hated any time I had to do one of those campaign battles in Odyssey. Yeah, like I never had to do that in Phoenix, really. No, but I would you don't. still get crouched down and I would hang out in a bush and then I'd shoot from a bush first. Because yeah, it was absolutely. more fun that way. Yeah, I used <laughs> I to love to. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Or or um or like I would, I, would, I would like go I would like go around a place and I'd collect a bunch of rocks and then I would just start throwing them at people. <laughs> Yeah. love throwing rocks it's yeah. funny because there's like a moment where you can uh upgrade your thing to like pick up large objects from a distance yeah so i just pick one up and i would just start swinging it around <laughs> oh it's so yeah. great um oh how about this uh they did announce uh legend of zelda tears it of did the sequel to breath of the wild yeah i'm glad you guys are excited I'm fucking stoked, dude. I'm fucking stoked. I already had my game. I'm good. I'm fucking stoked. Well, I, I make fun of my coworker because she loves the Zelda stuff. I'm like, listen, I'm going to have DLC for my game before you ever get your game. So I am better. What's your game? <laughs> the Xenoblade game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll have DLC before you ever Why do you act that? like Legend of... Hold up. You think that Xenoblade's more popular than Zelda? No, that's not, no, I, I was just, I just messed with her at work. Yeah. No, I don't think that at all. No, it's not it's anywhere near your less popular. popular game that they fucking rush out. Well, Legend of Zelda takes five years to complete theirs because they care. What do you mean they didn't rush nothing? They rush. Beautiful. It's beautiful. Sucks. You're wrong. It's bad. You know what should be happening? Hashtag Batista for destruction. <laughs> oh my God. That's. What should happen? Bam. <laughs> Over there has been the vanilla bear Patrick. Yeah, yeah. That was a good time. And if you don't know, you should know this has been Mundo. My, if you can't tell, my voice isn't like still back yet. Uh, this has been a combination. Two Bears Media Review, Burroughs Book Club, and I mean, we did an audio drama for our first time. We did. That was fun. I'd do that again. I'd do it again. <laughs> yeah. We need to find a new audio drama. To, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll look around. We'll look yeah, around. Yeah. All right. All right, man. This was fun. Right. This was exactly yes. the conversation I wanted. Nice and meaty. Have a good one out there, Cubs. Love you, dude. Love you.